Hi, my name is Ken Schrader, and you're listening to On The Hammer Podcast. My name is Michael Fing, the driver of the 38T, and you're listening to On The Hammer Podcast. Hey, this is T-Dub, and you're watching On The Hammer Podcast. Hi, I'm Terry Phillips, and you're listening to On The Hammer Podcast. Hi, this is Kyle Larson, and you're listening to On The Hammer Podcast. What's up, everybody? Greetings, Earthlings. Welcome back to another episode on the Hammer Podcast, episode seven. This is going to be a good show. We've got some pretty killer interviews going for you. But um, before we get into the meat and potatoes of this show, we've got a show sponsor for the first time. Somebody likes us. One Two Wraps is uh, our title sponsor of this episode. If you are looking to fulfill all of your vinyl needs, whether that's race cars, fleet vehicles, and more, check out One Two Wraps. Josh Combs, he's a great dude. He's got it. He'll get you dialed in for the upcoming 2021 season and all that goodness. So shout out one two raps. Check him out on Facebook, Instagram, and check him out online. Thank you, one two raps. Brent, where is our fat guy today? Last I heard, he was kidnapping my dog from the house and going to check out this coffee spot to try to pick up on a little something but i guess that's a last resort i don't know have you guys ever done something like that Definitely so what wait not. what are last we, resort for what what are we doing <laughs> with the dog at the coffee stand we are i guess trying to pick up on some girls with a puppy at a dog brandon curran brandon curran everybody what are you doing uh Hey, uh, I guess he's covering all bases. I don't, uh, I don't know. He needs do to be, we? He do needs we to be know? Covering, he needs to be covering the facts on this show. Do we know <laughs> anything? Well, this is a this is gonna be a late model central show, so he has no business being here. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I'm just curious. What's the over under? What's the results? Do we know no, of any updated? I, can, I mean, I do can, we want to make some bets, predictions? Oh uh, man. Well, know, I'm numbers. A, I'm assuming count. by the last message that I received from him. Is that he needs to kidnap Diesel, which is my puppy, my little dash Quality hound. Quality name. Yeah, Diesel. I, I, Diesel. I, I have a little tiny dash hound that's probably like, I don't know, five pounds. And I figured the coolest name for a little dog is some powerful. So we were spitting out ones like Dooley and stuff like that. Well, we finally settled on Diesel. And he's got one of them fancy like spike collars with crossbones wow. and stuff. Yeah. Wow. Full tilt. But no, anyway, he said, yeah, he said he needed to kidnap Diesel a couple more times. So I'm assuming we got some success out of this Interesting. deal. Yeah. You guys want to make some bets over <laughs> unders? How many we got? Two numbers, one real, one fake. Okay. So the question is, did he go, does he play it the cell phone number game or does he just do the Snapchat? Because I, I think you got to go Snapchat that's nowadays. That's, yeah. You that's just a be like, easier. yo girl, what's your snap? I've been, I've been out of the game way too long. You got you got you got a little barcode chingle. Joe, what are you there doing? You can scan. Like what what works yeah, for you? you what, yeah, we're the ones that have to live through you. I mean, yeah, not we, we, that we yeah, Ryan's damn near wiped up. We got me and Dylan both folk. are wiped up. We got two married folk, and, and I'm then what? On yeah, the door. what goes on in the life of dating these days? Golly. I mean. I don't know. I'm we kind of just... had this conversation over an Instagram post the other day too, so it kind of like we... leads into. <laughs> so what do we got? You know, it's uh, you know, just having fun. I mean, not. I mean, I Whoa. can't get, I can't get out. You know what I mean? I can't get out. Go to, go nowhere. So these chicks is dirty, or because they got COVID. Hey, that's 
Okay, so or so, yes, I gotta ask. Yes. I gotta ask. Like, since you said you can't go out before before all this, were you a clubber? Mm. Is that what it's, is that what we're getting to? I, I more okay. as a bar scene guy like myself. So I, I after honestly, watching Yellowstone, probably. Well, hold on. Honestly, <laughs> I was kind. I was I was really a homebody a lot, and I kind of got introduced to going out a little bit and kind of who introduced you to going out. Can we get disclosure? Yeah. Let's, let's let's just let's just let's keep it classified but let's just say <laughs> oh. it was guy wasn't it <laughs> he's got you out there he's taking care of his boy you know but i don't know i'm just I, like i said Would you I'm, call I'm kind him of g money <laughs> oh yeah huh yeah yeah that's gonna or, stick the g man or g money I, yeah I, we'll talk about nicknames at another time but no but i mean i don't know just I guess when the right person comes, the right person comes. You know what I mean? Dang, just, we got deep, ugh, real God. deep. Yeah, that got that, went that was way yeah, too soap opera ish. You <laughs> back to Brandon. <laughs> Let's get back to Brandon. Back yeah. to Brandon and Dutch Bros. Or should we do be like? Okay, no. Well, it wasn't Dutch Bros. It's Deo. But up oh. there for us mountain folk, that's our that's our Dutch brother. So same quality. Like way too Careful. over happy. I've heard, I've heard Dutch Bros people are pretty cutthroat. So if you're saying it's same quality, well, no, 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 no. Uh, I mean quality of you like could people be working your way into the most hated person hey, on this show. Too late, anyway. But um, damn. <laughs> what you don't know. But anyway, no, I'm saying quality as in the type of people that work there. Very out the window, in your face. Way too wow. happy to be working on a Sunday. Kind of like a Chick Fil A who's been drinking oh, nothing but coffee. Yes, back to your back to your yeah. Chick Fil A stuff. Yes, very. instead of my pleasure, yeah. they're just amped. Oh, they're amped. Oh, amped. I, I'm sorry, but at seven o'clock in the morning on a Sunday, I am not a happy person. Wow. No matter how much coffee I've had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we know we have to deal with them here in this podcast. I've had hey, two cups. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm pulling an hey, old JoJo over here shaking and stuff because uh, I've had my two cups of coffee this morning. Should we like talk about some like? Stuff that people subscribe to this show for. Maybe like cut to uh, Ben Shelton. Yeah. Anybody heard of him? He's a pretty good dude. Yeah. Pretty I, big, I, like, pretty big I think I've met him once or twice, heard about him. <laughs> what do you think, Some kind of, what yeah, do you think? Our events director for the for the Wild West shootout coming oh, up. In, uh, that oh, that Ben Shelton. Oh, I thought we were guy. talking about the country singer. <laughs> oh, Blake. Oh, it, Blake my bad, Shelton. my bad. No, Ben's cool. <laughs> we, wanna, we, we recorded a pretty sick interview with him. He's a great dude. And I, it took me a little bit to coax some, uh, some juicy details out of him about what he likes to do out here on the West Coast. Turns out he's a fitness guy, but you guys can tune in. Tell me what you think about the interview. Here we go. You're flying out. You said, um, are you pretty excited? You seem pretty excited every time you come out here to the, to the West Coast for the um, Wild West shootout. Uh, six nights of racing, um, late models, uh, USRA modifieds, and um, X mods that you guys have out here. It looks like you guys are going to have a pretty stacked field for this year. Yeah, you know, um, and I do always get excited coming out there. One, I love the weather. Usually it's going to be around 70s and uh, pretty nice at night. And then, uh, man, I just love that area out there. But, you know, yeah, I mean, with the Wobbless shootout this year, honestly, you know, a lot of people, and I'll be honest, including us, back a few months ago when – uh, another race down in Florida got booked on top of us. We were worried because we knew it was going to take away a few of our drivers, but we're honestly on pace, not only in the mods and the X mods, to have way more cars than we've had possibly ever before, but also in the super late models. It's uh, Guys have got the itch, man. They want to go race, and we, we've got a ton of guys that have already committed, and 
Um, and, you know, the beauty of this event is you get there a lot of times. And there's some, there's a lot of guys that show up you had no idea were coming. And uh, with that thrown in, it's really got us fired up. And we've been full bore, really preparation for the past six months. But for the past month, it's just been wide open. We've already got team members on site there. And, uh, yeah, just getting geared up for a big one. Hopefully we can start 2021 on the right foot. Yeah, that sounds good. So I wanted I wanted to ask you, how long have you been doing the the race director for for um now it is the fifteenth annual Wild West shootout. How long have you been um coming out west for? Well, I've been involved in the event for who man, that's a good one. Uh, I guess you know, I've been coming out there about nine years. I think I'm getting old. I guess about eight years ago we started doing the broadcast on Dirt on Dirt and I worked as the Pit Reporter and then about five years ago moved from the Pit Reporter. We had a little bit of a staff shuffle up there and I moved up top as the lead announcer and um, we were in Tucson up until five years ago, and then uh, we, you know, we made the move over to FK Rodins Arizona Speedway there, just outside of Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And I've been lead announcer there. And last year, uh, a little bit of the ownership of the event part of it changed, and um, you know, one of the people that bought into it wanted to me to get even more involved as the event director because I promote, in addition to announcing races, I promote events and do things. So, so this will be my second full year of being the race director for our, excuse me, the event director for this event. You know, it's, it's just a lot of us really get things organized. I mean, we are used to be we kind of get to the event, and we've got a very talented staff. That's going to be a little haphazard at times. But now, man, we hit the ground with both guns blazing, if you will. And, you know, there's always going to be things pop up that you can't foresee that create issues. But, man, we, we really, the staff, have got, we go above and beyond to prepare for everything we can in advance. Ben, this, this is Ryan over here. And I, I got to kind of piggyback a little bit off of some of that for you. Um, our guy here, Joe, he's ra- being rather humble about it. And, and I know asking for him, wh- what what steps did you take to kind of get to, to being the major personality involved in, in dirt track racing, especially through Dirt on Dirt? What what came first? Was it, you know, announcing at local racetracks? Was it a journalism background? Was it writing articles? Wh- where did you necessarily get the start that you had? Or that you have well now. you know it's it, it's really funny um this march will be my 12th full year to be full-time in racing um i own a company msr mafia marketing and pr we do websites and pr for teams really around the world we have australian clients and canadian and cut and, and as well as teams obviously here in north america uh, or in the united states but um you know that's been 12 years but before that i actually went to college my degree is in civil engineering i graduated wow. in 2002 oh, um, I was a big nerd. I graduated valedictorian in my civil engineering class, and I was a civil engineer for 10 years. I actually worked my way up to senior project manager um, for a company. We did everything from airports to Walgreens to Walmart uh-huh. to interstates, and I did that, and i have been around racing my whole life. I started building my MSR Mafia company on the side um, back in around, man, I think it was around 2004, and by the time I got to about 2009, you know, it was time that i you know i I thought i could make it make a run at it and as far as the announcing part of it um honestly it's kind of a blur as i look at it now and also i'm I'm getting older i just turned 41 i feel like i'm 21 but i just turned 41 and i tell people all the time that want to work their way up you know early on you can't afford to say no to anything yeah i remember going and doing modified speed weeks in oklahoma when that's really not where i wanted to be because late models and sprint cars were kind of my bread and butter, but I would go out and then, you know, in July in 110 degree heat work, you know, eight races and nine nights out there. And, you know, I'd go do mini sprint events. And I, I, you know, I think I did some go-kart events along the way and just didn't say no to anything, you know, and that was my best, that's my best advice to everybody is, 
you know, you never know when something's going to open a door for something else. And that's why I never say no to something, especially early on. And then you figure out where you want to be. But, you know, I'd be remiss. I've, I've had amazing people that have given me amazing opportunities. And I've been able to capitalize on them. But, you know, I'm very lucky that people like, you know, the Michael Rigsby's of the world. I worked, you know, with Trent Berry. And I was a series announcer for the World of Outlaws Late Models for three years. And a lot of people gave me a lot of great chances. And I was able to run with it. But it, it's all a building process. All the time I get people send me, you know, texts and emails and Facebook messages. Hey, man, I, I want to be on TV. I want to I want to be an announcer on Dirt on Dirt. How, I want to do this, you know, in the next year. How do I how do I make that happen? And they have no background. And I'm like, it's no different than a football or basketball player. They don't just pick up the ball and they're an all star. All of a sudden, you got you got to work at it. But um, you know, I'm proof though. I will say this: I am proof that no matter. Where you, what background you come from and what you want to do. If you work hard enough, you can make it happen. And I'm just very thankful every single day I get to do this. That's great. I, and, I mean, we kind of tell the same – we kind of give that same response to Joe too because he's very driven and, he, and he's got a crazy passion for this sport, even more than the three drivers on this show sometimes. But um, <laughs> I also want to ask you – you brought it up, your MSR Mafia. I'm, I'm someone who's very intrigued by that. I knew nothing about it, and I think that's such a shame that I didn't know really anything about it until I started uh, looking into you for this show. Um, that's a really interesting uh, website for guys like us to really get our name out there and try to uh, create a business around something that's so um, hobbyist of us. And and I'm curious, what, what prompted that uh, idea, and where did you kind of – come up with that and are you seeing such a, a, a large impact from it so far well you know it, it, it's really funny how it began I was back um, by I guess my second semester of my freshman year of college I'm um, growing up in the Memphis area and you know it's funny because a lot of people know me for late models and a little bit of mods I've done some mod stuff for math TV and things like that but the reality is I grew up on sprint cars I grew up watching guys like Sandy Swindell and Jeff Swindell and Bobby Davis Jr. and Ricky Hood and Hooker Hood, all these legendary sprint car guys. I, I grew up watching them every Saturday night, a little track in West Memphis, Arkansas. We can call it the ditch, but it, it's Riverside International Speedway. Greg Hodman got his start there. Um, and I remember my sophomore year of, of college. This is how old I am. I did not get a computer until my freshman year of college. I, did, I had a typewriter through high school. I'm telling you, I'm old. And... Uh, my uncle, we got the computer, and we started finding these different websites like Hoseheads, Forum.net, and those. And he goes, you know, there's, these are cool, but there's really nothing around the Memphis area where you can find, you know, results for Riverside Speedway and, you know, Memphis Motorsports Park. He's like, you ought to think about figuring out how to, like, make some website where people can get results and schedule. And I just kind of got bored and started tinkering with it. And I'm kind of like that guy that, um, you know, can play the guitar but can't read music. I'm, I'm self-taught and building websites and everything I've done. And, you know, that began literally back in that, – that began around 2001. And I built a website called midsouthracing.com, and it covered the racing in this area. And then by 2004 or so, I had tracks and some drivers um, start asking me, hey, have you thought about building websites for other people? Sort of dabbling in that, and I realized pretty quick – I. I was originally just going at the Mid-South Racing Network, and I realized, man, this could be bigger than this area. So I wanted a name that people would see on merchandise and go, all right, what the hell is that? i got to go look at this. I didn't want them just immediately think it was racing. 
that's where the MSR Mafia came for. Um, stands for Motorsports and Racing Mafia. And, you know, the logo doesn't in- indicate racing at all. I sell a lot of apparel to people that have no interest in racing whatsoever. They just think it looks cool. Yeah. Um, so that's where that grew. And, you know, now I've grown from kind of tinkering around. I've got two full-time employees that work for me. And then, uh, you know, we've got almost 200 clients now, again, here in the United States, Canada, and Australia. And we do everything from racetracks for race series to drivers you know um i'll have a lot of clients out there at the wild west shootout you know we've also branched out we're now doing businesses we're doing everything from golf courses to salvage companies and um it's just it's again it was kind of a hobby something for fun that has grown into a a full business of its own and i've got two amazing guys that that work for me that man they they allow they they do all the heavy lifting so i'm able to go out there and you know work the wild west shootout and put the wild wing help put the wild wing shootout together and get ready for speed weeks i spend a lot of my time doing that kind of stuff so yeah again it feels like a blink of an eye but the reality is you know it's been i've been building this company really since about 2004 yeah, that's that's awesome to have such a big advocate for the short track guys and kind of get some recognition to transition back into the Wild West shootout. What kind of like prep work, like how long do you guys work on getting prepared for this every year? Like, I know it's got to be a ton of work. We start seeing dates and stuff fly as the current events happening. So how much work really goes into getting prepared for this event? Well, I can tell you, I had a call this past week where we were talking about the 2022 edition of the event. So, um, you know, and, and honestly, we were also penciling a few things in for 2023. Uh, th- this still has become a, a, just a huge, huge event, and it's a big undertaking. We literally, you know, the last race of the Wild West Shootout will be January 17th. January 18th, uh, I'll fly back home to Memphis, I think the 19th, and I'll stay here for about two and a half days before I head to Speed Weeks. But we will probably have a meeting January 18th when the event's over. Uh, myself, Chris Kearns, Matt Curl, Michael Rigsby, um, and we're going to we'll sit down and we'll start laying out, you know, what went right, what went wrong, what do we need to change for next year. So this event, while it encompasses, you know, we practice January 8th and then we have six races from January 9th through 17th. It, it's not big on the calendar, but it's literally a year-round thing. Um, you know, we have we have some major sponsorship for this event. We are so very lucky. We've just got an amazing amount of sponsorship, and, and we're able to pass a lot of that money on to the drivers. So it is it is nonstop. Now, you know, we 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 do social media posts and we do some different housekeeping things throughout the year, but really. Around June 1st, that's when things start kicking into high gear for the upcoming Wild West shootout. So, you know, that, that kind of blows some people's minds that, you know, wow, you're seven months out from this event and you kick it into high gear. But I really think that's how we've been able to separate ourselves from the herd and a lot of other events is we put in the work. We take pride in what we do. We stand behind what we do. We, we own our accomplishments, but, man, we own our mistakes too. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it's a big-time deal. But there's there's a lot of – man hours that go into this thing that people never see that happen before we ever get to the track yeah i know i've seen some of your behind the scenes stuff when you you know you're it looks like you're behind the computer you know from sun up to sundown so i just wanted to ask you like you say you live you live all the way in tennessee and you know coming out west um you go to a lot of a lot of facilities a lot of racetracks what would you say you see um as a complete package when you go to a racetrack or i mean or a facility um you know, from stands to, you know, um, the the concession stands selling food, the racetrack, the staff, everything, um, how, how's it run? What would you, you know, what's top notch or to you, what would you say is a, a complete package? 
Well, I think you obviously, to be fair, you have to take Knoxville and Eldora out of the fold because I mean that that's our that's our two preeminent places, and I mean and there's a lot of nice facilities um, because I grew up on a little boring. You know, I like. I, don't get me wrong. You gotta have clean bathrooms. You gotta have efficient concessions. You gotta have a well-run show. But man, I love me a little boring. And so, because of that, I, maybe my opinions get a little skewed from some other people. But um, you know, I tell people all the time: Fairbury Speedway and Fairbury, Illinois. That's that's a must see. It's just it's a it's a quarter mile, and you know they'll run four wide around that place. Um, out out Jell's way, one of my all-time favorite tracks. I was the series announcer for a couple of years with the Lucas Oil American Sprint Car Series early in my career. I absolutely love Placerville. I just, you know, I love the size of it. I love the covered grandstands. I love the vibe there. I love how well the shows run. And I tell people all the time, Placerville's in my top five. Um, you know, I, I-80 Speedway, Greenwood, Nebraska, phenomenal racetrack. It's a four-tenths mile that races like a, a boring. It races really well. And literally 10 miles from there, you have Eagle Raceway, which is more of a high bank, three-eighths, uh, third-mile oval, and really nice facility, races real well, real well-run shows. So, you know, that, that's some of the ones that really stand out to me. There, there's so many tracks I love, um, and, and they all have different qualities, but anybody that's ever asked me the question you just asked me, they're going to kind of get the same answers I just gave you because, you know, I like – I don't have to have a state-of-the-art facility as long as it's clean and the shows run well, and, man, you've got good racing. That's what I look for. Yeah, you, you got a lot of big uh, head nods when you were le- reading off that list with Placerville being in Dylan's backyard here. And um, Fairbury's a, Fairbury is a, is oh, yeah, a big all, <laughs> topic with our guys here. Yeah. Hopefully, Joe and Brent love that place. So. Only, I'm bummed that I only get the race there like once a year. They don't have Placerville modified, yeah. so it's kind of yeah. shitty that I only get to run there once a year. Yeah, Placerville's <laughs> a fun track because that's on our speed week. We got out there, and in that year, Jeff Wendell, of course, from Memphis area, and Tim Crawley from Little Rock, um, they, you know, they, they grew up on the quarter miles here. We got out there, and some of the drivers were like, man, this place is tiny. And those guys were like, now we're talking business, you know. And, uh, you know, I just, I, I, love, I love a good bullring. Don't get me wrong, you know, Eldora, Knoxville, and I-80, those places race great for big tracks. But, man, I grew up on a bullring. I grew up watching sprint cars and lap traffic, uh, you know, halfway through lap two. And uh, that's just, you know, that's that's the kind of racing I love. But, you know, you can you don't have to have the fanciest facility. You just got to run your show well. You got to treat your fans right. You got to treat your racers right. Everything else takes care of itself. Yeah. So um, with your sprint car background and then obviously I want to be the first one to say as four of us, we appreciate you bringing super late models this far out west. We don't really we don't really see it anymore like we used to. Um, but with your sprint car background, what drug you into the late model stuff and having the drive to bring the late models this far out west where we don't really see them? Well, you know, and, and I can't take – I definitely can't take the credit for bringing them out there because, you know, back in the day, um, you know, I believe Benji Lyons and Chris Kearns and Kevin Montgomery and all those guys, they kind of had a, a, a vision for, for doing that stuff. And when it was at Casa Grande and, and all that, um, so they definitely – I by no means – I feel like I've helped improve the product that we've got with a great team, but um, you know there were other people that originally brought them out there. We just kind of changed the landscape of, of things with you know with the Kaiser quarter million dollar bonus, where you can get two hundred fifty thousand if you can sweep the series. We've added a lot of things to encourage more drivers to come out. I mean, just day before yesterday, Jonathan Davenport decided he's coming out. So you know, I, I do want to say that, but you know, growing up, man, I was very blessed. In the Memphis area, I had two tracks, Memphis Motorsports Park and Riverside Speedway. They both ran sprint cars and late models. One ran on Friday and one ran on Saturday. 
And I grew up watching that every week. And I didn't know that most of the country didn't get that. You know, I just assumed everybody had that. And I would see, you know, I would see amazing sprint car and late model fields. Now, don't get me wrong, Memphis is a sprint car town, but, you know, we had some solid late model contingent. And then, you know, uh, when I got to be like 12 years old, they created the Show Me 100 up at West Plains Motor Speedway. And I went up there, and that was the first big super late model race I went to. And that was the first time to see the Blue Quist. And, you know, those caliber guys, I'd seen Moyer and Wendell Wallace, all those guys, because they were from my area. But along the way, I was still heavily involved in sprint cars because of growing up in them. I'd go to the Short Track Nationals at I-30 Speedway, which, you know, is an event I always looked forward to going to as a kid. And now it's in, I think it's 33rd year. And now I'm the lead announcer on that. That's a very exciting thing. Um, so I'm, you know, a lot of, and I, I know you guys see, especially on the West Coast, a lot of fans or racers kind of attach themselves to one division. But for me, man, I love everything. And, you know, I'm, I've done TV work for in the past, you know, year for Big Block Modifieds, for IMC Modifieds. I mean, um, you know, obviously the USRA, USMTS Modifieds, I've done stuff. And I, at the end of the day, I'm just a really lucky race fan that gets to do what I love. And I just try to keep the sport going. And so that's why I've kind of got my hands in a little bit of everything. So I actually got a comment on that a little bit. I was, um, I took some time and moved back to Tennessee for a little bit up in the far east corner up in Kingsport near Bristol. And it's actually very late model dominant out there. So it's odd to hear that sprint cars are a big thing on the opposite end of the state. Usually you see one class kind of run a state like out here in California. Realistically, it's pretty sprint car dominant. And then um, you go to the Midwest and you get a lot of modified stuff and then you head back east and get big blocks up north and then late models seem to run the south. So it's pretty crazy to actually hear of a state that's got things spread out from end to end on the division side of things. Well, it is, and it's a narrow region, I'll be honest with you. you know, it used to be Memphis to Little Rock to Devil's Bowl to Oklahoma City. That whole that whole corridor was just a hotbed for 360 and 410 sprint car action. And then the 360s kind of phased the 410s out, and then Devil's Bowl dropped sprint cars altogether. And then the, you know, the main track in Oklahoma City, it closed, the fairgrounds. So now it's kind of, you know backed up to, to Memphis and, uh, you know, Riverside Speedway in West Memphis, Arkansas, and then, you know, I-30 Speedway in Little Rock, and those two tracks are about two hours apart. They're on the, basically the Interstate 40 corridor, but, and, and I've helped get them to coordinate. It's something I'm very proud of. They work together. They don't, you know, they don't run sprint, they both run Saturday nights. They never run sprint cars on the same night, and so that allows drivers from, you know, that area not to have to pick and choose as well. You know, now Riverside runs 305s, and when they're not running 360s, they run the 305 sprints. Well, they may have 30 to 35 305s on any night, and either track running the 360s on any night may have anywhere from 16 to 30 sprint cars on a weekly show. Um, so, you know, it, it's a very concentrated hotbed. We, we, we have the short track nationals the first weekend of October, as I sit there at I-30 Speedway, and I think we had 70, I think 73 sprint cars this year, you know, for a, a, for a, a 2,000 to win and a uh, for 2,500 to win and a, a 10,000 to win. So, um, you know, we, we it's a very narrow uh, area here, but there are a ton of sprint cars. There's a ton of history from around here. And uh, I, I just, I mean, I'm, I'm very lucky. If I couldn't grow up in that Indiana, Illinois scene somewhere up there, I think as a racing fanatic growing up in the Memphis area, you can't ask for much more. Yeah, so I, I want to, I wanna, before we end up getting you out of here, I want to get down to some brass tacks with you here. You're v- sounding very uh, put together. I I take it the uh, the surprise party went well. 
<laughs> it did, it did. We, my wife's 40th birthday is actually tomorrow. And uh. usually, I have to fly out of town before uh, to go to the Wild West shootout before we get to celebrate her birthday. And thankfully for her 40th, not only was uh, I'm going to be in town tomorrow, but we threw a big shindig last night. So, yeah, I, I get to uh, I make happy wife, happy wife for one more year. Outstanding. And I also got to ask you, so you've talked about coming out west here, and Arizona isn't truly out west here until you come to the Golden State. But I I wonder, I hear it from a lot of other people who come from back east, midwest, out here. They treat this event like a vacation. They're close to L.A., they're close to Vegas. What is one of the first things that you do when you get out west here, i.e., is there a, a specific restaurant maybe that you go to, fast food chain? I'm maybe fishing a little bit, but I'm just... You know, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, man, I am so... When I get in the mode, when I get in the work zone, and, you know, I, I don't pay as much attention. I will say, last year I went to the Grand Canyon for the first time. Um, you know, one of my favorite things, I'm a real physically active guy, and I, I love to go running and things like that. And honestly, one of the best things I look forward to, and it clears my head, is I like, you guys have, you know, especially after in Arizona, they have so many, you know, parks and, and things and trails. I just like to try to go out there and, you know, run four or five miles, you know, at least every other day just to clear my head. Um, you know, but so that's one of my favorite things. The weather, obviously, I mean, we get out there, and I don't care if it's 62, it's still warmer than it is in Memphis. Odds are pretty good. So get out there put a t-shirt on you know kind of soak it up get your head right um i love the glendale scottsdale area because all the open air restaurants and i just i love you know we really push hard to get these shows done and you know usually hopefully in that 9 to nine thirty range each night which uh might be tougher this year because we could literally be way way up on cars um, but I like to try to get things done and then go have a nice dinner on a patio somewhere. So I think that's kind of me. I like doing that, have a little drink or things like that. But, you know, I tell people to come out there. There is a lot to see, you know, you get out that way and, you know, in past years, this year might be a little bit different because people are a little bit more cautious about where they do and don't go. But, you know, a lot of people, you know, we race, you know, this coming Friday on, on you know, the first Friday of the 8th, we practice and we race on the 9th and 10th. Well, then we're off the 11th and 12th. And a lot of times people will catch a red eye that after mm-hmm. the races that Sunday night. They'll go to Vegas for two or three days and they come stumbling back in Wednesday just in time to race again. So, um, you know, it's, it's a unique area. It's fun. It's beautiful. It's, you know, you, you guys mentioned when you guys lived over around Kingsport for a while. And as you know, the mountains in East Tennessee and the mountains in Arizona, totally different look. You know, no trees <laughs> on those mountains out in Arizona as a rule. It's just a different kind of view. And I just like soaking it up and, and enjoying it, you know, getting the year started. And, you know, now with the Wild West shootout and now we've got the Wild Wing shootout. And we've got Tony Stewart, Donnie Schatz and Reitzel and Eliason and Rico and all those guys coming in. Um, I'm probably more than ever this year, I'm going to be keeping my head down and getting the work done. Because, as you know, it's hard enough to keep an established event, make sure you don't have any hiccups. It's really challenging on a first year event. Yeah, man, I, we're over here. We can't rattle this guy. I'm trying to get him to say he goes to In-N-Out. He goes to the local <laughs> bar in Phoenix, tries to hang out, gets the good. The first time to In-N-Out was eight years ago in Arizona. Oh, wow. And I go in there with one of the, the staffers from Dirt on Dirt, Todd Turner, and he goes, he goes, man, I'm going to go to the bathroom. He goes, I'll be back out. And he goes, if you want to wait to order, I'll tell you what I like. And I walk up there, and I'm like, well, man, there's only four options on the board. How hard can this be? So I'll order like a number two. And uh, he comes out, and he's like, 
He's like, so what did you what did you get? And I was like, I got a number two. He's like, you ordered off the menu? They're gonna know you're a newbie. Nobody orders off the menu. You gotta order the stuff that's not on the menu. And I just looked at him. I was like, why the hell in a restaurant? I have all their options on the menu. You know, so <laughs> Welcome to like, California. A newbie mistake. But I will unfortunately eat in and out probably about seven times over the course of the 15 days I'm out. There we that go. Is, that's that the answer we're looking so for. I missed for not mentioning. Uh, in and out, but I, I do, I really enjoy the patios and just the, uh, you know, a few years ago we were out there in the national championship game, uh, was there in, uh, Scottsdale and we, of course we had an off night cause it's Monday night. So we actually got some tickets on StubHub last minute. We went and saw Alabama and Clemson play and I'm a huge college football guy. So that was my first ever national championship game, huge SEC game, hate Alabama with a fire of a thousand hells, but it was cool to see an SEC team play the championship and win. Um, you know, we usually on national championship night now if, it, if, if it's not out there what is it what you won't be this year we'll just go find a real nice open air bar and sit there and kick back and you know have some nice beverages and uh, some tasty stuff i will tell you cold beer and cheeseburgers is probably my jam out there that's usually where we go for the national championship and sit on their patio so yep. so yeah you drug it out on me i do i'm, I'm a fat <laughs> kid at heart i like this <laughs> all right that sounds fantastic i had a uh, just one more quick question for you a kind of kind of a um, little serious in-depth question um, obviously, you know, we got hit with the with the whole COVID situation and it really did. It really did affect us big time. It actually stopped a lot of our racing um, out here on the West Coast. And I know it did stop um, you guys back east. Um, obviously, the help of Dirt on Dirt and Flow Racing um, broadcasting a, a lot of a lot of events um, throughout the year. Do you think going into, you know, 2021 now, since so many events were broadcasted, that it would potentially take away for some fans um, coming back into the stands, uh, possibly, you know, maybe could potentially just be scared uh, of going out and knowing now that they can watch, you know, Flow Racing. Um, obviously, you guys combined uh, Dirt on Dirt and Flow Racing. Watch the race um, at home on the couch versus, you know, um, possibly having to be in the stands or, or you know, in, um, next to next to sitting next to somebody. Um at the race well you know I'll, I'll i'll say this you know the streaming thing has been a point of contingency and look it's it's been a very very you know lucrative avenue for me and my endeavors and growing my company being involved with these but my opinion has been the same since day one and will always be the same and i don't care if you're talking to me or you're talking to michael rigsby or a trent berry or a bob dillner or anybody that's involved in streaming there's no compensation. There's nothing like being at the racetrack. It's just no comparison. It's not. The smells aren't the same. The sounds, the fills. You know, it's it's really nice that we have these following services, especially in a pandemic year like we just had. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's be honest, it's probably going to have some impacts until at least the middle of the year. I really, I think it will this year. We're just going to have to deal with it as it comes. But our sport, you you lose a little something watching it there on the computer or on your you know on the app or you know, your smart TV. It's just not. There's nothing like being there. And honestly, you know, this year for the Wild West Shootout, we always sell uh, general admission tickets in advance, and we sell we sell where you can buy online up to the last day of the event. We have a lot of people to buy during the event as it's getting closer. If they're only coming in for a few days, as of three weeks ago, we had already surpassed the most advanced tickets we had ever sold. So that tells me people want to get out to the event and Mm -hmm. people want to experience it. And the harsh reality is in some areas, 
you know, we're still going to have events where we've got fans and, I mean, we've got racers and teams, but not fans. I mean, you know, we had two, well, three massive events at El Doral last year where there was no more than 250-some-odd people on the property, mm-hmm. you know, and I put on an event down in Mississippi back last May down at Magnolia Motor Speedway, and we had a Thursday night 5000 to win raise with a $25,000 total purse. We weren't allowed a single fan. We could have X amount of competitors and people in the pits, and we made a lot of money off that event. If you had told me this time last year that I was going to have an event in May where there were no fans and I had a $25,000 overhead and I was going to, you know, we were going to be very profitable, I would have told you you lost your mind. But because of streaming, it allowed us to do that. So I do think that through June to July, there's going to be a lot of people reluctant. And, you know, do what makes you comfortable. People ask me all the time on these events that we're having, do you think it's safe for me to come out? And I, I tell them, we're going to take every measure we can, but at the end of the day, you've got to decide. And, you know, we want people to feel safe. We want to feel protected. And if that means staying home and you're watching Flow Racing or you're watching Dirt Vision or Racing Dirt or any of these great outlets, then do that when you're comfortable, come back to the track. But I don't think anybody that's ever been to a race is going to swear off going to the track again because they can watch it on a broadcast. I still think they're going to want to be there because, as you guys know, there's also no camaraderie like being at the racetrack with your buddies and, and talking and hanging out. And to me, that's as big a part of the show as the racing action itself. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, we we just had a little New Year's Day race over at our place right in our backyard. And it was the first time I've gotten to go and sit in the grandstands and watch with some of my friends. And it was really a cool deal. And I definitely agree with you. I think we, it's going to be tough to keep people away. And I think you'll see a big surge right in the beginning of the year, maybe – with the streaming, some people will die off as the season goes. But, um, man, Ben, we we really appreciate you giving us some of your time and, and coming on and talking with us. It's It's been a blast. And um, I'm curious, before we let you go, is there anybody that you want to shout out? Where can we? Uh, where can our listeners find you on socials? Let us know. Yeah, man, definitely. And I want to thank you guys for having me on here. We really appreciate it. Love what you're doing for the sport. We need more and more of this. I love what you guys are doing. So anytime there's anything I can help you with, please let me know. Um, You know, as far as me, you know, you you can find me on Twitter, MSR Mafia, and I'm always posting stuff about different events. But, you know, bigger than that is obviously these two events we've got coming up in the next two weeks, the Wild West Shootout and the Wild Wing Shootout. I just encourage people to go to wildwestshootout.net. You can buy your tickets, you can get all the information, you can see what the rules are, the times, all that good stuff. And then the Wild Wing Shootout, you can go to wildwingshootout.com. You can actually buy reserve seats for that one. We've been selling like crazy for that. That's going to be sprint cars and mods, and that's January 22nd, 23rd, and 24th at FK Riding's Arizona Speedway. And we got a star-studded sprint car field coming in for that one. So whether you like late models or sprint cars, we got something coming up for you in the next few weeks. So just check out wildwestshootout.net and wildwingshootout.com. And, Man, everybody be safe and uh, just hang in there. We're going to get through this, and we're going to have some normalcy. We're just going to have to be a little patient and a little careful as we do it. Absolutely. Thank you again, Ben. We appreciate you, and, and we'll uh, we'll catch you down the road at one of these racetracks one of these days. Sounds great, guys. Thank you so much. Thank Thanks, you. buddy. What did you guys think? Um, ben talked about – actually, Joe asked him the question, then Ben responded. That's usually how that works. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about what the impact maybe is going to be with um we're a little hit heavy we just had two days of racing so forgive us yeah that's what it is um, they they talked about uh the impact that the streaming is gonna have on like grandstand attendance do you think do you guys really think like that might play a part in some of that or like 
ticket sales might go down because of the convenience of watching or are people just well, gonna Joe's be... going to have like the media announcer standpoint of I think for and and just talking about like from what I've seen from like Antioch obviously we mentioned if if, if it wasn't for this this COVID deal um, obviously Antioch's BOA TV I don't think probably would have been established yeah. Um, yeah we've talked about that before yeah but obviously us having Antioch Speedway TV broadens um, Antioch Speedway in general you know mm -hmm. what I mean because I'm pretty sure you have guys back in for example Brent has buddies that live back in Tennessee yeah that you know can watch my race can watch your yeah. races now yeah I think that versus gonna... versus let's say you know having somebody just record you on a phone now Actually, go ahead now they can see like oh we're streaming like you know now we know about Antioch Speedway we know about mm -hmm. its drivers potential sponsors can be yeah uh, picked up yeah, for not yeah. just you but possibly for Chad you know mm -hmm. what I mean for Antioch Speedway yeah so do I think that it, it's kind I feel it's kind of both ways because mm -hmm. yet again I do have you know some people like and I'm gonna say my father for example who hasn't came to the races and over a year because of this whole um covid disaster that we got affected by and um it was cool you got him out for stockton it, cool. yeah and yeah i appreciate you pops for coming out um but i don't know it's some in some way to me and some part of me kind of feels like it it is going to take a little bit away from you know the facilities and fans coming back because you have the luxury of hey sitting back at your house watching the race Mm -hmm. Um, you can go to the fridge and grab a cold beer whenever you want. Yeah. You can step exactly. three, three feet to the restroom, a clean restroom, um, hey, careful. Uh, <laughs> of, of, you know, of your kind. And I'm not trying to bash anybody on no. that part right there, but you know, some it's people, the reality of it. So, yes, that's exactly. Just how it goes some people, 3000 people, right? Exactly. You some people, you, you don't notice, we don't notice it because we love the passion for racing. Yeah, some people yeah. do look at that. Exactly. When and you go to a facility, things. somebody doesn't just only look at Hey, I'm here to watch such and such. Yeah. They're looking at everything around the facility of how it's run, its staff, you know what I mean? The yeah. concession stands. That's exactly right, because I have to try to tell myself, we've talked about it on this show, I try to separate everything from a racer standpoint to right, a fan right. standpoint, yeah, yeah, because yeah. for us, we all walk in the back gate, and it's the pits, it ain't no thing, we're hanging out with all the people we know. It, well, I it think... isn't any different, but when you put yourself on the grandstand side, it... I think you really got to think about things. I think it's nice from where like, um, obviously you have your like superstars out there, but for us, that's on a grassroots level or whatever. And actually had that experience of sitting in the stands mm -hmm. and you, I mean, you were probably a little bit more involved in the pits when you were younger with your dad and stuff like that. I had to wait until but, I was old enough. At yeah, least. See, uh, until I was, they started sneaking me in me, for example, like I started going there when I was a couple days, like days old. We're talking yeah. from the time I same. was out the womb, same, but, same here too. but, and, and had my diapers changed in the grandstand yeah. and stuff like that and was brought up and actually got to experience the fan side of things and watching my dad race where I wasn't always from day one being in the pits. Mm -hmm. Like, um, I go to the way, like example, Bentley, the way he is now is he's being right, right when he's starting to understand things, we get hit with COVID. So the only way for him to watch the races is exactly. on TV, which is stream. a nice thing for him, or he goes into the pits and now yeah. he's experiencing that whole side of the yeah. pits thing, which quite frankly, isn't always the best experience for people because it's drastically, on a, but on also a, there's a catch 22 to this because I, 
I say this, you know, kind of being devil's advocate almost, but, you know, I used to get snuck into the pits numerous times with my dad. Like, they'd just hide me in the trailer. Shout out John Soria's at Antioch Speedway for letting me hide in the trailer <laughs> till hot laps came on, and then I could venture out. But, but I mean, I think with the, with the COVID deal and having, you know, nobody in the grandstand, so everybody comes to the pits, and racing is such a family sport, but now we're seeing so much, so many children in the pits who shouldn't be. And I don't want to be this guy, but we have got to rein in the whole, hey, we're not here. I mean, I knew from it's a not very, a playground. It's not a playground. And I knew from a very early age that, you know, this is serious. Like, exactly. You know, like you exactly. could get hurt here. Yeah. And, yeah. And if There's you're not a fine line because. Yeah, and it, if you don't have the people watching over the 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 children or whoever, it, it it has the grounds to not only injure your child but destroy the facility. Exactly, it, and it, I and it, when I've quickly when I've started going to the races as a young age too, my pops did the same thing to me. Like when I would, you know, kind of maneuver away and mm-hmm. steer away from racing. I remember honestly, my dad came up to me and he grabbed me and he sat me down and he yeah. looked at me and he said. Either you're going to sit here and we're going to watch the races or we're going to leave and we're never coming back. Yeah, I mean, it, and it, it's you not, understand yeah. that like, it's like, serious. Oh, I think yeah. there's an age, though. Like, how old were you? Do you think when that I was like, at, I was at least five years old? Yeah, still, because Bentley's kind of at that age where he's three and he's about whatever he's doing. Yeah. And that's it. There is yeah. no I'm going to sit, sit him down and make him understand that yeah, this yeah, is yeah, yeah. the And I'm like I said, Bentley's been in the pits with me a couple times and there's times where Janelle's like, hey, let's bring Bentley. And I'm like, look, it's not we yeah. got sprint cars in the pits. They don't stop. And that's they, where they it's come so plow. Tough, yeah, they come plowing through. Every bit of me as a dad wants my kid there yeah. with me. But I there's a time and a place. Yes. And like you said, it's not a playground. It's not I, yeah. that I don't want the kids involved yeah, exactly. because that's our next generation. If I can have my kid hanging around me, but there's a garage for that. Yeah. And it, yeah. it's just and if I can yeah. get that kid hanging around me and I'm not going to be the dad that forces my kid to do what I like to do. If mm-hmm. that dude decides to kick around a freaking soccer ball, then by all yeah. means, I'm going to support him 110%. Yeah. Would I like him to get into the racing stuff? And do I think having him around the racing stuff now, the kid can point out headers on the car. He knows what a carburetor is. He knows all this stuff. It's there. The more I can have him around, the more likely I am, which is a win for me, to have him as one day being that dad that's yeah. out at the quarter midget track I mean, or whatever. And, and I mean, that's kind of why we lean on you for this because you're, and, I and have soon, that yes, soon, soon to be yeah, very soon. And actually you. congratulations, yeah. dude. Congrats on that. We're very, yeah. very stoked. A but girl, I, mean, I, I win. I, you guys were both team boy. <laughs> I know. That is, <laughs> you're going to be in trouble. I guess you're going to be in trouble. I guess breaking news. I got a baby girl on the way in July. <laughs> but, um, I mean, I just think there's. Bentley's got birthdays share. It's a lot oh, to yeah. um, it's a lot to ask too. I mean, it, it's tough because obviously, me and Joe, we don't really know what the sh- struggle or how hard that is to deal with. But I mean, man, it, from the looking in the outside, looking in, when I, my anxiety goes to the roof when I see trailers oh, yeah. full of children and mm-hmm. kids running around having a good time. Like it, you don't, you hate to stop all that. But if sprint cars are around, dude. But not only, the- I mean, I get it. I it's a joke that I hate sprint cars, but man, I, there's just something so dangerous about them they, they don't stop they, they can't are stop. yeah they, it's not their fault they're doing no. what they're supposed to well, do yeah they idle fast but i mean some of that stuff 
and, and then it's also like, what are you going to do? Especially in this time, some people can't race with or leave their kids anywhere. It makes it really hard. So they got to come. But in the future, I think there's some things that could maybe could be looked into about on the grandstand side, making it more kid friendly. I don't know. I'll put in a playground or something, but well, doing something more over there to, to keep that attention I so will, that your kids can have a break from the, I will say the bench. I will say, I think, and this is not like me favored or putting in a plug for anything else, but at almost every pavement track I've been to has a freaking playground or a kid zone or, or a kid zone of some sort because yeah. we not not every kid is going to grow up as fortunate as like I am to have a kid that is just devoted to the racing thing. They're mm-hmm. going to pick and choose their different paths. They we talk about all the time on the show everybody's their own human. They are too. They and it's it's just the reality of it. And then yeah, it's it's little things like that. And if we're going to there's some tracks that are like opening their grandstands up to pit people, well, why can't the kids go up there and be in a safe zone yeah. where they can still enjoy and be at the racetrack yeah. if as long as it's but it, you also got to realize that we're not the the promoters no. aren't the ones at fault here. Like no, no, we're no. in it and, and they they're doing the best are, with yeah, what yeah, their hands, their hands are, tied. are tied like a, on both ends of the spectrum. So some places, a majority of racetracks are at fairgrounds. So there is property around to do things. Mm-hmm. You just, you know, like I, I think of Petaluma had the skate park in the parking lot. I so does Placerville. Lot, I spent a lot of Placerville time. Has Placerville has a skate park has there too. And what racetrack, is it Chico or Tulare or something that has like a BMX track? Chico. Chico. Chico right also has got a go-kart track. Like and, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah that's right. They oh, have yeah. a go-kart track, an RC car track, and a BMX well, okay, track. Okay, yeah, and then also And the RC car track, RC track, actually, just a little thing for the next person that brings their kids to Chico and has something to do before the races start, the RC car track does – car or rc car rentals where they can go to the store across the street and rent a car and go take your kids out there so they can have their fun too i mean it's very easy for us to talk about this when it's not our money to spend but you know like well i'm just like i said from a dad standpoint something that i would look at as the racetrack facility when oh yeah yeah, they need to have this and this and this but I'm just saying it, it'd probably be a good thing to look into to try to broaden the horizon. Nobody's going to shame you down for having a playground or something no, like that. And so. it's not a lot of money to spend either to just put a little swing set in the – what do you got, Dylan? Something that Irwindale did like growing up was like they had kid, like a kid area in the pits. And you could not – like if you were underage, you couldn't, couldn't leave that area. We just got some crazy. Uh, we can overlap that. We got a friend. Did you did you stop it? No. I was we got gonna a say you can. St- you can stop it and then overlap it like we did when we had that one mishap or the the very first episode where it Which stopped one? in the middle of our stock car picks, and then we had oh, to overlap yeah. it. And it I say did. we just keep all this in there. Let the fans yeah, know that this is human, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is our <laughs> shout out to uh, Brown Town. We haven't given him a, some credit in a little while, but shout out to Brown Town for the studio for allowing us. We've to got, get, yeah, we've got some kinks here and there. Somebody's we got the hot water heater kicking off. Right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> <So> <laughs> we're, we're only we're not big time, y'all. <laughs> we're not big time. We're doing what we can with the yeah. stuff that we have. We are in yeah, probably it's, the it's coolest for, garage. Yeah, dude. Ever. Nothing but late model yeah, diecast. You've never modified. seen this thing. Not so a sprint car. Speaking about that. Speaking late models. Wild West Shootout, yeah. the hitters that are going there. I mean, we just seen um, JD Superman, Jonathan Davenport. I think I made a list, honestly, of uh, I believe who who's coming. 
we have Jonathan Davenport. Bobby Pierce is another guest that we'll be having um, on later. Yeah, that, um, should, that should be interesting. The Let Winfield me. Warrior, Mike Marler, Turbo Tyler Herb, uh, EPJ, we got Earl Pearson Jr., Rusty Schlenk, Jason Fager, Jimmy Mars, Jake Tim, Bob Gardner, Ricky Thornton Jr., uh, Donnie Schatz will be getting nice. inside of a late model because he'll nice. be there for both, I believe, the Wild West shootout as well as the Wild Wing shootout. Now, is the Wild Wing a 410 deal or is that a 360? I or? believe it's a 410 deal. I want to say it's 410. Yeah. I kind of thought it was like an ASCS type deal, 360 thing, because wasn't Smoke going to run? Yes. Yeah, he is actually. I kind of thought it was like an ASCS. I could, I mean, Lucas yeah, Oil. I guess I, I could, could be. be. I, uh, actually, no, because Doug, Doug Lockwood's one of the ones that's helping promote that deal, yeah. and I think he did say that it was 360. Oh, that's right, huh? So, yeah, that should be a little bit different cast of characters. Yeah, shout out to Doug, too, for putting on that event. Yeah, I'm looking like forward that. to maybe getting him on here pretty soon. We have yeah, uh, also uh, Mr. Smooth, on. Billy Moyer, will be making an appearance uh, again in Arizona, as well as. Um, is this kid going? Uh, Junior, he I didn't he, I didn't see him on the list. Mm. Um, as well as Gordy Gundaker. There we go. Um, some of our locals here from Cal or used to be represented from California. Tony Tosin, Jason Pappage, yes, yes. Uh, Chad Simpson, and the Squirrel Brian Shirley. Some Not of the, the Squirrel Bree Trowman, <laughs> <laughs> the original Squirrel. Yeah. Also, <laughs> some I, of our big he, names that will be making. He didn't seem, down there. and I think we brought it up. He didn't seem too rattled about the overlapping with the Florida deal. And how many car quality cars he was gonna have? Because I think I, it sounds like Arizona's winning, dude. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they are, yeah that's what and that's what he kind of uh, when we kind of discussed what we thought Florida would kind of dominate a little bit over nah, Arizona, I but so. I mean, I saw the Hunt the Front boys, Joseph Joiners, they're gonna run the uh, 604 class somewhere. Yeah, at some point during the Speed Week deal, because I guess they have for the Craig Sunshine, going. yeah, for yeah, the out, Sunshine out Tour, in Volusia, which yeah. um, which I any big names that aren't in Arizona will be at Volusia. Which yeah, it kind of sucks. You're gonna get hosed on the con yeah, on I, the quality of guys down there. I'm finally gonna go to see get to go see a super late model race on the dirt. Have big you time. never actually seen no, a super late not model? Not a true. Dude, I heard Volusia honestly is like. One of the places to see. Or East Bay. East Bay. Yeah, East Bay. I, I'm, not, I'm sorry. East Bay. Damn, that's You don't hard. like East Bay? East Bay and Fairbury. It has oh, to be. Two favorite? has to be my two favorite. Honestly, I'm going to. I, like I got to go Fairbury. I'm I think gonna, I like only. East Bay because It's going to really break effect. my heart when East Bay does close. And, you think it is? And, is and it? the next, Yeah, because they're selling it oh, in really? the next three, I think two, three years. You know another so. track I wish the late models would go back, and I watched a highlight video the other day, and it's awesome to see them there is i think it's bel claire the fairgrounds. oh yeah did you see yeah, that video yeah. they posted I it. I yeah. we all shared it probably yeah. one of the races late bad. model races i've ever seen on a little tiny dude race. the track's yeah, like dude. no bigger than almost this garage yeah. dude and they're yeah. in there like <laughs> yeah so i started looking into that it's after. probably gateway size yeah bel claire they call it bel vegas i believe yeah. or something like that right but um yeah. kenny wallace talks highly of it he's ran his ump yeah. car there and, and stuff Macon. like that Making and, Illinois and the walls, yeah, yeah, the walls are like that. Track's been there a while. Yeah. Like it's like wooden miles. walls. Yeah, it's coming out of the out of like four. It like really ramps up and comes down. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's that, pretty and dope. Then, um, the other one I looked. Did you at get a chance was, to catch that thing? Taswell, yeah, I watched that, it. Taswell Speedway is pretty cool too. I've, I've seen some footage bowl. from Taswell. I was actually, dude, yeah, I've gotten a chance to hot lap there. Really? But I was telling Joe earlier that place. And I'll say I'll say this on here too, a little disclosure on my end. Everybody freaking out about Bristol and their freaking part failures and stuff like that is wow. kind of ridiculous. There's other places out there that have the same amount of banking, 
the same. Tazewell's like 36 degrees of banking. But it's, it's damn near a wall. You're, you're not going near as fast. But no, yeah, you're not. Yeah, but I don't Especially even when think, it dries up, when it slicks off. Yeah. I don't think that's going to... I think you have more of a like crash rate if the track's bigger with less banking than you would with a lot of banking. I don't know. I don't think so. I think, I think and, but anyway, but they, we'll talk about this in another episode because we're going to cover Bristol. But they're taking banking out, so they're making yeah, it a I, lot I safer that. than they did that. The they last said time. like eight to ten feet of fill dirt. Yeah, they where did the that. Apron they is. did that the original, but it's year, more than that, and it, it was loading so much because on the late model side things have changed a bit. But on the late model deal, the the big issue that they all had, they kept blowing out right rear wheels. They just blow the centers out of them from the load and the whole wheel and tire come flying off. (laughs) But anyway, like I was saying about Tazewell, Tazewell, when you come off the corner onto the straightaway, all you're looking at is the top of your roof. Like there's so (laughs) much banking there. You're just looking down the straightaway, but in all reality, the roof of your car is sitting right in front of your eyeballs. Yeah. I believe both touring series go there. Watching the trailers get out of that place and into that place is the sight to see. If you're going to pay to admission, it's probably just to watch the trailers get in. (laughs) Well, I know the the touring series, they park up top. They don't go down to the Yeah, Yeah. but you still got some decent size, like 604 trailers that have to get down in there. Oh, wow. And the running start that they got to get to hit that thing, and then their front tires about get off the ground like a jump when they get up to the top. <laughs> but <laughs> so is is I didn't really catch what the joiners are doing. Is that at Volusia? Or yeah. Is that, yeah. That's, that's a Volusia. part of the speed week yeah, type yeah. thing. And you think that's gonna be when you're there? Yeah, it'll be while I'm there. But I'm so, gonna get I'm gonna get gypped. I'm gonna get gypped on the super late model talent. That like, that's great. Therefore, what you're gonna <laughs> wait? Why, wait, why do you think you'll get gypped on the super late model like talent? The, the primary, like the premier talent guys, the big time touring guys, are all going to Arizona this year. Well, no. well is Josh gonna, Richards going to? He Richards will probably be in. Uh, what about Florida. What about Bloomer? Is he gonna? Yeah, because you're gonna get to see the whole. I think Bloomer's tour. gonna be in uh, Arizona. Anybody that's hardcore into the actual points thing that what is it world of outlaw yeah it's a world yeah whoever's into the points thing is going to be there which there's going to be yeah yeah i'm looking at it right now and some of the the list of drivers i mean dude you can't forget about i mean b-ship he's going to be there b-ship going to be in um brant larson boom briggs ashton winger kate dillard obviously is running for his third time for um, I love Kate oh i'm gonna car. spend a lot of money on t-shirts Chase so old school dude i just like that red i i took a screenshot of it because i was gonna send dude, it dude that to modified him. his or no his late his model, late model yeah. the red one on the open trailer uh, let's the, not forget chase youngins trailer. yeah there we go um <laughs> daryl lanigan will be there with the, woo, with the woo tour and Dennis that's all Jr. yeah yeah um scott bloomquist and ricky weiss will once again be racing for the and as well as um rookie of the year um ross bales um, another one, uh, what's his name? Ryan Gustin and oh, Tony I'll Jackson. I'll get to see the Reaper. That's cool. Yeah. So, I mean, there's going to be some hitters. I, I think you got hitters both on the East and, and West Coast, obviously. But, is, but Ferguson, is Ferguson going to Volusia and or Ferguson Arizona? doesn't. Sounds like he's not. Sounds like he's not. Let's ah, get more into our interview with Ben, though. We can always recap on this more of this late model stuff yeah. later. But what else did we talk about with Ben? Yeah. What do you guys think? Notable that, stuff. The MSR I will, Mafia thing is pretty cool. Well, the other thing I want to shout him out is his advice that we had for Joe over here. He was pretty free-spirited on how he got his roots and stuff like that. I found a lot of it pretty cool. I found a, or find a lot of it pretty common through the media people that just put themselves out there, and that's kind of what you're doing. You like to knock yourself down way more often than 
what you should and it's hard for us as here's, a family here, here's the thing <laughs> i don't i don't i don't i feel like it's not knocking myself down as in you just want to make yourself better you want to be at the end of the day you want to be the best like you know yeah. what i mean you yeah, want yeah, to yeah. be that ben shelton or you know what i mean that james essex um if i ever get the opportunity to to make it you know uh, as in doing what they're doing and stuff like that but like he said too you got to take anything there's you can't say no to nothing yeah. You know what I mean? Obviously, and and those are like I said. There's a lot. There's a lot of stuff that I still have to pick up on, and and I'm learning and I'm grasping. And I hear, yeah, like, oh man, you're doing this good, and you, yeah, yeah. I mean, but at the end of the day, like, there's still a lot of stuff that that I need to, like, I absolutely need to get better on and do, and like, you know, be doing my homework at home and stuff like that. Even like with the show, like we're doing this, taking notes and learning stuff about the drivers and. And you know what I mean? Just the, the just the little stuff. Well, you also got to realize, too, that like you um, like we are with this podcast, we're at the very beginning stages. You're only going to get better yeah. if you can start listening to yourself and playing it back now. Not necessarily being like, oh, dude, I suck. Just be like, OK, well, this part can get better. But this part I'm really good yeah. on. It's just like our racing side of things. We can say we can get better somewhere, but we're not. Unless we're joking around, I don't think any of us are going to walk around the pits and say, God dang, I suck. Otherwise, we really wouldn't. I don't wouldn't... know, man. Sometimes. There's, there's <laughs> well, okay, so there, there is. Says the that guy way. who wins yeah. the most out of those four of us here. <laughs> no, but, but I still don't Shut like. Shut him up real quick, huh? I, yeah. Well, no, I don't. I mean, there's days where you're like, oh, you say I suck. But in all reality, you can take the best out of the situation yeah, and learn yeah. from it. I, I never like to, because I wouldn't. If I honestly thought I suck, I probably wouldn't be looking for sponsors as hard as I yeah, do. Put absolutely. us be putting yeah. the money forward and stuff like that. Um, I just don't think that word is the right word. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as critiquing yourself, that's like we've talked about on here. We listen to our own podcast so we can pick apart what each of us do yeah. and how we can get better and audio issues and it's yeah. all new and you got to realize that you're new to the whole thing and you're taking it by storm you have a lot more knowledge already than most people do when they start you heard yeah. ben say that he came wh whatever his background was in college and stuff like that nothing Civil remotely close to what you already have yeah so I you mean, can you're... look at the possibilities from there if he can do it there ain't no reason in hell why you can't. And you're such a big fan of it, too. So, I mean, Probably a bigger fan than us three sitting here that yeah. drive the cars. And, and so just calling races is – even my mom was saying it last night. We were listening to one of your uh, one of the races that you called. And she was saying, man, you got to just be on your toes the whole time because everything happens so fast, you know? Yeah. And especially when you're there live, like it's easier for us to call and, and do stuff. And I'll, yeah. I'll be texting him. I can't watch the races cause I'll be texting him the whole time. What's going on listening for his phone to beep. Cause I think, it's <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And I just, it's one of those deals, but I mean, like, like Ben had said, I think you, um, you really, I agree a hundred percent. You cannot say no to any opportunities you get, you know, and it's just gotta, you gotta jump on it whenever you get that chance. And so we just gotta help Joe get those chances no matter what. Even I, if we are much help, we just got to get them there. Well, I think <laughs> this is going to expand your yeah. your opportunities too. This podcast is going to take you know, there someone's going to hear this and be like, "Dang, that guy wants to announce like, let's get him to our track." Let's I think get it him just takes reps, you know. Like yeah, I've heard that for a lot. surely it and, does. And yeah. So, so even if you can't call races every week, I mean, just this back and forth talking and and showing your knowledge of it and 
and your analysis and opinions and everything. And you got a personality. I think yeah. that's what most people look for is just a personality, not somebody that's just going to sit into the mic. Here goes so-and-so. This yeah. is so-and-so. You have a personality behind it. You have an opinion mm -hmm. behind it. You talk from you, which and, is, I think, most of what people are looking for. Yeah. When we listen to our main, like real, like you said, notable sp or notable announcers and stuff, like the dude from the World of Outlaws, he has a personality that you what know. What draws you guys into the race. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And there's too many people out there that are just monotone announcers that it, it doesn't my biggest yeah. thing that I got to admire from announcers is being able to remember names. That's yeah. just not, yeah. that's, I mean, and I'm still learning. Not I'm my catching deal. on, you know what I mean? <laughs> I do make, you know, for, sorry for those out there that I've, I do make mistakes on their names and yeah. stuff like that, but you're not going to get them all perfect. I've it's, always yeah, felt possibly. like I could, I've always been good with names, but I feel like as of late, I've probably fallen off, but I just remember like growing up, I can remember anybody's name. Exactly. So, you yeah. Know what I mean, you just yeah, think my, about it, but and then you get up different. there and it's kind of like you freeze up. You and you like, lock uh, up yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. yeah. My grandma used to quiz me like she'd pull cars out of because that was back when um, I think it was Michael's, the craft store used to sell World of Outlaws sprint car die cast in their Dope. store. And then we used to go there and pick all the ones that I didn't have off the shelf. And she'd sit there and quiz me. Who's this? Who's this? And I'm four <laughs> years old naming off drivers. And then now I can't, I can, yeah, yeah, I can, <laughs> yeah, no way. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where I, I, I agree. I think this podcast is really going to help Joe and I, I'm super excited for that. I mean, whatever we get out of it, we get out of it, but I'm looking forward to seeing how much further he goes just as long as he remembers us when he gets to wherever it is. He's yeah. going. No forgetting where you came from. Yeah. That's yeah. always been a rule of mine anyway. Maybe we'll have him on a guest here. Yeah, he's not be... leaving people, just so you know. Yeah, he's, he's, not, not, he's not going anywhere. anywhere. We're not getting rid of him, but I'm Watch just him announce his, oh, we're going to put this episode Whenever, out. Yeah. We're going to put this episode out. He's like, bro, somebody somebody offered me. A... <laughs> whenever we get to talking about oh, these, these people, <laughs> whenever we get to talking about these like announcers and media members, he gets all starry-eyed and then we gotta be like wait a minute we just started this project don't be leaving now <laughs> joe's not leaving but we got another buddy leaving can we break that no did we get the thumbs up for who's who's what are our, we talking about i think maybe we'll save it for the local uh which is by the time you hear this you already hear you would already have heard it so yeah. dylan teased a future thing in so, the past <laughs> so let me pull back the curtain for the people who are listening here oh man what we're doing is we're actually recording an episode in the future. So <laughs> you'll hear all of this and you'll be like, wait a minute, I just learned about all this. And so right now is episode seven. Yep. I got to check every, which I, is two weeks from now. When I did the intro to this, <laughs> I, I think I might even slow out the seven cause I wasn't hundred percent sure. <laughs> so my brain Full disclosure. Is, my brain is <laughs> racked today. Dylan had us rolling, and I wasn't even ready, and we had to cut it a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> it's a disaster around here. But today today think, has been one of those moments where you know that this is a – He forgot <laughs> – our producer forgot the laptop. Yeah, I forgot the laptop. <laughs> <laughs> we have to, if this is going to be a common occurrence whenever he races, we might have to pull the seat. I mean – Oh, <laughs> come on, man. I mean, if we just, just starts forgetting stuff and not getting out of bed. It was a, it was a rough morning. <laughs> this I, one's gonna be ridiculous because we got the water heater going on. We're missing. We a got laptop. old. We go got old Johnny across the street revving the piss yeah, out of his El Camino. Yeah, who was that? Got his El Camino fired up, freaking rooster over there. Just, 
I don't know if anybody heard if they, that was heard on the on the interview, but Probably. I'm sure Ben was like, "What the hell is this operation? <laughs> they got water heaters, rooster in the El Camino." It just it's been a rough morning. I went to go get the trailer unhooked off my truck. The battery was dead in the trailer, so I oh, couldn't get the jack man. off the truck. Oh man! <laughs> See, and we're hopeful for 2021. <laughs> this so is far, the <laughs> this is the second episode of 2021. So. Maybe we could go back in time and make the first episode really killer. <laughs> and you're going to be like, what were they talking about? And boy, if, if episode six is a gem, you're going to be like, I don't know. What went wrong in that day? <laughs> Jeez. Oh, Sorry, man, Bobby man. Pierce, if you listen to the before your interview. Hopefully, do you think they listen to our, our podcast after they come Did on? Did we ever get any like answer from... Um... Uh, what's it from Cocopa? If he listened, like played it back. Uh, I know Frankie it. listened to the Chili yeah, Bowl Frankie one. Frankie followed me. He's a cool yeah, dude. Yeah, 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 Frankie yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the dude. Not, I mean Ryan, pretty cool guy. Yeah, he. What's good? He's, a, he's a little back. bit. He's a little bit on the celebrity status. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Well, we that's kind of expecting a little too much. Like if we had a racing community social media, he'd probably be a blue check. I mean, in all reality, yeah, yeah I mean, probably. And when that, you got cool, pic- <laughs> when you got cool put pictures of yourself on Google Images, it's kind of there. Put it, this way, put it this way, my dad doesn't. You follow, have cool like, pictures on on Google. Like, have you ever Googled your name? Never. You should work on that. Well, that I do. I don't think that's... It, it's gotten a little less um, true because now you could link your Facebook. Facebook, so it pulls yeah. your Facebook. But I still milk it. I'll be like, yo, just Google me. <laughs> and there it is. Just I say remember Google Ryan DeForest hey, racing, and then there's th- nothing. That's <laughs> funny because. <laughs> In a computer class in middle school, I was racing mini cups at the time on pavement, and I had a ESPN Rise article, uh-huh. and I thought I was hot shit walking into school the next day. I go into my computer class, and I'm just casually looking on ESPN. I'm like, hey, there's a little article of me, and there's a picture of me on ESPN, and I, all of a sudden, I was the coolest kid on campus for like a week and a half. <laughs> Speaking of this I was the kid. next Jeff Gordon. Speaking of this coolest kid on campus, you want to know something that really bothers me? Oh, boy. So when you Google Ryan DeForest Racing... <laughs> Before I won my one and only main event, win, oh, I'm basically I'm basically Hot Carl, one one win, right? And so I before I won mine, the first time I was ever in the top five was the night he won his first race. Okay. So in the sport mod, yeah, in the sport mod. So when you when you get in like that top five, Antioch Speedway will give you like a little rundown, right? And they'll play the order, and your name's in the order. So when you Google Ryan DeForest Racing. Because my name is like based on the images, this mug comes up in no his, way. It is Victory Lane picture <laughs> under Ryan, and you gotta click the link, and then it's in their fifth place. And so I, forever, I'll be looking at this ass until I won my. What? Uh, I thought mine. I thought it was Damn. gonna come up as like one of the Pettit pictures, my trophy girl. Oh no no, oh. those are like the posted ones. See, that's where it's jaded now, and and I think <laughs> I think I've seen the crown one where I posted for your birthday, where you're wearing your little queen crown and. Oh my queen crown, yeah. the one yeah. you wish you had. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, it flashes and everything. Yeah. Yeah. The Bentley batteries. wore the Bentley wore the batteries out. I was on gonna that say thing. the batteries still. Yeah, on. he runs around with that thing. That's probably the coolest part about it is he he thinks it's the coolest thing ever. But yeah, but, so. Yeah. Ryan, yeah. <laughs> Where would we go from? <laughs> Blue check, yeah. But, uh, oh, yeah. That's what I was going to say. My dad doesn't like – he watches like one midget race a year, and it is the Chili Bowl. And even he knew who Ryan Brunel was. So yeah, we'll that's see. cool. Yeah. I, I, I mean, people know who he is, that's for sure. But you know, I, just saying, I, I don't know. I thought I was kind of a – shout out to, the, uh, to us up-and-comers, man. 
Yeah, yeah, no kidding. But <laughs> it was just cool having him cool. because he was a local guy. Yeah. And then... Oh, wait, wait a minute. Let's stop. We're talking open wheel on, <laughs> yeah, this is a late on a late model show. show. Hey, we were talking late models in the midget show, so it's only fair. Well, we're, hey, so, we're even now. So before, uh, before we maybe get to Bobby on this deal, I want to kind of unpack some of this since we're late models in general. I think it's really important. I'll probably... You guys have, will have heard it from me on the last week because we're going to talk about it. I'm going to talk about it locally because it's big, and I'm going to hammer this home, and I'm going to say it every time until it happens. Late models are going to be running four races at Stockton's 99 Dirt Track. And now I know, I yes, know, sir. I know people say we're going to get three cars, but even if we get three, we're going to have three damn cars, and we got to make it the best race. But let's not ha have that happen. There's a lot of late model racers up in Oregon. We got some guys from Placerville. Yeah, they the get limited, quite a few cars up there at like Coos Bay and stuff. I too, mean, huh? let's, it doesn't matter if you're underpowered. Soak it up and suck it up. Get there. Let's and build let's, this Let's thing. race. Yeah, let's get sure. out there and run. If the yep. track slicks off, come on. Stop being a little girl about it. Just you can make it. I mean, you can make it run. And we're not going to we're not going to yeah. get anywhere if we just sit on if our we just complain about, couch at home and yeah, complain, we complain about, things about the we can cost only. and the class and this and that. Just. You got a late model, you got a big tire, just put a four barrel on whatever pile of crap Come you're run running it. and let's go. You know, anybody. I, I it's think, pretty cool, I think, that they are actually, you know, given the yeah. opportunity to even have, you know, those shows because, you know, like I said, with late models are, I mean, I, are pretty kind of dead. Yeah, I mean, I, I, could think of, so. I could think of all the, the, the local guys who've been running late models at Antioch off and on for the years, and they've been supporting that because that's what they love. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm very much hoping to see you know souza and and his three cars maybe i could get behind the wheel one of those things with my dad uh dennis my dad hopefully Here, poppenhausen um here's we'll, an idea what if Hogue probably. we'll we'll just yeah. say like just a thought theoretically maybe we can make this happen if we take a little bit of our sponsor money and put that towards like a longest toe. Exactly what I was thinking. Thank Ooh. you. Dude, Dude, on the hammer. We're on that. Longest I will toe. totally. I will totally put up some. We want to do something because we want to see it, yeah. see it succeed. So we've, we've done the chili bowl. We can do our late model side of things. So if, if you're listening, help somebody. Well, out. maybe we'll look into we'll, that. We want. Like, we, yeah, talk, we'll look into that a little bit more and like see what Tony we can. Vasetti. 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 Yeah, and we'll, maybe we can put up a little bit of that. Let's try to get involved and, and try to put some tow money in there. To I get think we all guys. can agree on that. All is one little like I, joint I Honestly, deal. I mean, that'd be a perfect opportunity. Let's call it out. Let's get Joey Tanner down here. He's got that Longhorn. He's going to be going to the Wild West deal. Yeah. And that 99 car. I think that, that used to be like an EPJ Dunn Benson looking Dunn Benson car, right? car yeah. There's was. quite a bit of late models down in like Arizona as it yeah, is, right? Yeah, so if yeah, we could see? get those, some guys come up, some guys come down. Tony you Toast, know. where you at? Bring it. Yeah, come back home. Come pap back it, home. Come back, Papich <laughs> and Toast. I mean, that's they're they're spread apart. They're later in the year. I'll get the dates another time. Maybe later in the year it. enough to where it's like yeah. we can have open dining and maybe take the dude out for exactly. dinner or something. And they're, <laughs> and, they're spread, and they're spread out. You know, I mean, I I just think it's could be a a potential to have a really good. Really good opportunity. The track's big. It's a late model friendly looking race. I mean, track. even if we only get four cars, that means there's one for each of us. Yeah. We can put who's, on a hell of a show. Who's, Cody, Laney, who's Cody Laney driving for? The um, 32 car. Van Eiderstein. Yeah, that car. Yeah. Needs, yeah. That, that car. You're going yeah. back yeah. to the Wild West as well, too. But I mean, so. that thing could come. I mean, that thing can come up here. Yeah, long. I mean, horn. how many do they usually get at Bud Nats? 
How many did they did they get it? I think well, they took late models off the show. Let me show. tell you. Well, the last to? year because they it didn't happen this year, and I think last year they at least had fifteen. They didn't have, of they them. Didn't have late models. Last, I thought the they year did. They ran, no, no, they've been cutting them off. I mean, I mean, it's just one of those. things. We're not like, going to get anywhere if we just keep cutting yeah, them off. And so hopefully these four races kind of bring back a little more interest, and then you could get back to the Bud Nationals. You could get back to the. Santa Maria, the Simpkins the Memorials, National, yep, yep, yep. and the Nationals. There just has to be then, more than one one late model race a year. No yeah. one's going to keep a late model around for one race exactly. a year. Exactly, and you could get – If know, we can nail these four, yeah. then hopefully we can get a little bit you, more you in could, the future. And then Next Stockton year. could be a big proponent to, to bring and that Stockton back. And Stockton is a they, wonderful – I think wonderful track to have a late yeah, model race as well, and they could well, have too. more, you know. Not saying that we got to bring them to Antioch. we got to bring them back everywhere. But we I'd love start, to. Yeah, but we can start. <laughs> Let's just spot drop. You yeah, know we what can I mean, start kinda? and make the hub Stockton. Let's let that. They don't really have a series. They're not an IMCA track. They're not a hey, this ben, track. Ben said if we, he can help in any way. Uh, if absolutely. you're listening, bud, if you can I mean, pull something to get some late models out here. I mean, I you know, I don't. I don't. I, I don't privy, expect I'm much. I'm not privy but to hey. what it's paying, but I mean. Let's let's build this as the building blocks to getting this class back to its prominence. And, you know, I'm not saying we have to take it over overnight, but we got to bring this class back one step at a time. You know, and, and 2021 New Year's resolution. Absolutely. And if if, <laughs> well, if, if 12 cars at Stockton Speedway is, is a start of is, something is the way to go, yeah. then that's what I'll deal with. But I mean, let's if you think about it, Antioch Speedway, when we were running the late model stuff, you had a pretty consistent 10 cars. I mean, mm-hmm. if we could that's get that's a start, and that's not we, even including yeah. all the ones from down south or up north or anything like exactly. that. Exactly, and, and Stockton's dead 10, center in the middle of the state, damn yep. near. So. And if you could get those ten plus some more, I mean, I know Mike Hines are is going to bring his two. I know, uh, you know, you could get Richard Poppenhausen, Guglielmoni. Maybe we could get Bobby in in the car, and you know, that should be a cakewalk, right? Well, careful. <laughs> yeah, I, don't. I think I think old man will have have something to say about it. Bobby Bobby likes to wheel too. So doesn't Chet still have his have his late model laying I'm around? Pretty too? sure we could get Buddy Niss in it. Buddy Niss in yeah. a late model. I, I mean, don't fire care. that thing up. He drove uh, the 05 uh, one night for Mike Haynes. Did he? Yeah, he did all right. You know, so Buddy can do it. Yeah, that'd be great. It I, at this point, I don't care who's driving. Yeah, I don't, let's yeah. go. <laughs> just have, let's, just let's have somebody. Let's yeah, get there. I don't. I don't really care who it is. You know, um, I'm just tired of. Not seeing late model. I remember you as a kid getting so hyped when the Western late models oh, and dude, stuff used I, to come to Antioch. And that's like the biggest thing. So Ed Joe, Sands. Me, me and Joe were talking about this, about how, you know, he says there's no real late model racing in the West Coast. And, and to an extent, he's right. I mean, I'm just saying he missed it. You know, over the years, he just he just missed it. And, and Growing up with my dad running and the Western All-Stars deal, like you said, yeah. I mean, you just – you totally – you're right. To see good late model racing, you got to go to, like, Arizona. Oregon has some good stuff, but there's a little bit of limitations. A lot of guys are running the 525 yeah. and some, some spec stuff. But it's a run, very competitive engine. If you're going to run a crate late model class, for the love of God, don't put 604s in them. Yeah. Put a 525 in them. Make it cooler yeah. than a modified <laughs> I'm just saying, like I don't know. I think that the 602 is a stretch. Yeah, I think a 604 I think is tolerable. Especially There's a, when you're running especially them on with alcohol. how many freaking people are running those things. Yeah, but you go back east and they're racing for like 50 grand. And we were just having this conversation yeah, this week. True. It's I mean I get I get it, but it it's still a late model body, and that's what people get off on. Yeah, so true. it's just, it it it's the car. 
We can all admit it's the car. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, the sound and everything helps a little bit, but when I see a late model rolling down the well, highway yeah. and I don't hear the way it sounds, I get hyped anyway because it's yeah. a freaking late model. <laughs> just yeah. the looks of those things are just, just dynamic. Yeah, I mean, I was talking to, to Brad Myers at, at Stockton about it, and we were talking about late models. We don't really know why we love them, but there's just something about it where – I don't know if it's the body Maybe because they're so elusive out here. It's a and we big have it. car. I don't know what it is. I think, yeah, like you, you said know, right I, there for, and like, <clears throat> excuse me, for example, just when we, when you watch video of, you know, late models and for perfect example, Ben talked about Fairbury. If you, if, or any of you guys seen watch videos from Fairbury, I'm sure, or oh, seen yeah. like a summer oh, yeah. or something like that. Just the way of how wide those cars are, how fast they are and how close tight knit they race. You know, sometimes mm -hmm. even without like touching or whatever, I think is just insane versus and I might get flack for this versus watching a sprint car race. Yeah. Cars that can't touch. Yeah. I think you there's something I mean? that's just so um, and they get into that. And I hate that. Like I said, I hate to say this for they get spread out. They get spread out. And the it's just you'll get 10 laps of just follow the leader yeah so that leader breaks it also depends on like the that. race it, it depends on the racetrack as well because we saw a hell of a sprint car race at merced earlier this we year we did and yeah. i'll i'll admit that but most of the racing that i've seen out here and i've went to calistoga i've went to antioch you know what i mean hanford all like it's the same thing honestly. i think to me it's so it's so commonplace for a sprint car to be fast lightning quick spread out you hear the sound you hear it you get it it's a 410 whatever there's something so different, like I said, about a late model. It's a big-bodied car. There's motion. It's doing something. It's hiked up. There's it's, so much technology under the you car. You know, not so much these days, but, I mean, it's sail on the left front tire. It's, mm -hmm. it's you know, unlimited cubic inch, like unlimited cubic inch. There's no – there is no 410 late model. There's no, <laughs> there's no 360 late model. It's 500 inches if you got it it's 430 <laughs> it's 358 if you're ballsy it's it's whatever it is yeah you know it's, it's no replacement for displacement exactly i mean it's big tire all the way around no little john deere looking ass sprint cars <laughs> it's 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 raw power it's it's and i'm not I saying just, that sprint cars don't have raw power I, mean? I just it's something so yeah, but it's raw power without that big ass wing on the exactly. top. Exactly. Yeah. See, and, I, and I have a different so... love for like midget and wingless racing yeah. as I do yeah. wing cars. I think we all do, and I just there's something about it, and it probably it's because that's what I grew up around. Maybe if my dad raced sprint cars growing up, I'd probably have a different have a different kind I'd of look. Definitely on have a change of heart. But since I grew up around this, and I, I've like I said, I've told it to Joe. I mean, dude, you just. You just missed it by a little bit. I mean, he told me he's caught the tail end of it as it died off when it was really in its big swing. But, mm -hmm. man, you just you just missed it. I mean, that that period of, like, 99, 98 to, to 2000, 2000, 2009, I'd say, is yeah, where it fell ish. off. And, and that's in the window where, to me, Early 2000s was probably the cream of the crop. Yeah, and everything out here, especially – changed because we transitioned back east uh outside of the west coast everybody was up to date in what they were running they were all full fabricated chassis over here it took a long time for the stock clip stuff to die away you know the old petaluma antioch almost that nascar style mm -hmm. deal that we had where everything was basically ours pro stocks or limited late models now was back then where we ran stock clip cars wet sump motors everything like that smaller tires the mccreary ec2 stuff 
to now, you know, right in that 98 range when my dad, everybody was buying Rayburn chassis. Everybody was buying rock or GRTs. My dad wanted nothing to do with that. So he went back to Shinston, West Virginia and got a rocket and him, my, my dad and, uh, Mark, no, um, uh, Nevada pro stock standout, Jesse Gonzalez. Okay. Yeah. Those two linked up in Nevada and flew to Shinston, West Virginia and brought rocket chassis here. And that's how Ron Bartels technically, no, Bill Bartels technically had the first car, but it was used. It was actually a bullet chassis. It wasn't really a, a mm -hmm. rocket. My dad brought the first brand new rockets and we were a dealer. Sold three or four of them, bought three or four of them for ourselves. Joel Hannigan bought our car and a couple, couple stuff. But, I mean, that, right there when everybody started to make that transition to the full mm -hmm. fabricated chassis, late model racing was as big as it'll ever get. And and we just got to try to get back to that, that Western All-Stars deal. And I mean, do you think it's a possibility that we – <clears throat> that we that we will get back to that or do you think it's a possibility when it's one of those things where it's kind of like um that we're dead and gone with late models? i think it's tough i think it's it's definitely an uphill battle and i'm gonna get a lot of crap for this too because yes i get it everybody i race modifieds that's what i do but that's just because that's what we have um but no because the the dirt modified when IMCA Modifieds or the Grand Am Modified mm -hmm. division, when it, it started up here, um, like I've talked about before, back in the day, you had like three options. You started in a street stock, American stock, enduro cars, whatever it was, something entry level. And you had like a, a, a fork in the road. You went sprint car racing or you went, you went dirt late model racing. Okay, there dirt was, late model, And yeah. then there was no Modifieds. And then these things started popping up through – guys like Joe Carr building chassis and Harris and all this stuff coming out out west and bringing these cars and people, people seeing that it was an affordable way to win and they could do it with less and this stuff was you know found more in junkyards but it was a step up from a street stock and you had big motors and you could mm -hmm. do all this stuff and you know at that time a lot of the engine rules worked for both classes because your late models were still running a wet sump motor so you could just put all that stuff in there and it was just an easier way for guys to win money and win races. And then like a cancer, it grew and, you know, growing up, I hated anything to do with a modified. I, I got it from my dad. We walked around like prima donnas with our nose in the air. Like you don't belong here. Get out of here and look at, this is the, the cancer that it grew into. And the modified Dude. class is just huge when it comes, you know, and, and that's what I've said about the, inflation of divisions just kills off other stuff so i i truly associate the death of late model racing on the west coast to the to the rise of the imca modifieds but would mm -hmm. the rise of late models flip the switch and kill modifieds? i don't think so because i think at this point we're not going to be trying to to build a, a next step class everybody who's running a mods that's where they're at they're not moving. They're not going any further. Those guys aren't jumping into a sprint car. They're not going to move up and permanently race the late model. So you, this is going to be like a, a novelty type of thing until until proven otherwise. Until the money gets behind it, I think I think a lot of people get stuck in the hang-up of, of cost of racing. Not what it pays to win, not, it, not what it pays to get, not what you're doing. 
I think people get so hung up in, in what it costs to get into it, and people associate late models with a million-dollar price tag. So that's my question is next. Is this an appropriate time to bring them back? As of after what with the way? After what we've been hit with, you know, obviously, is it appropriate time to bring them back? Because it is something you do have to worry about with cost with these machines. Uh, oh, go ahead. We had this conversation yesterday, conveniently enough, me and my dad. People are spending money right now. Like nobody's business, nobody's business between houses, between new cars, the new car lots are empty and having to ship cars in like ASAP because people are spending money. People are ordering new cars there. There's chassis builders like victory circle and GRT and that are seeing a rush of ordering cars and they're back ordered longer than they've ever seen before there. This, if any time it's now it realistically it's now. In my yeah, opinion, I kind mean, of I kind of agree. It's almost one of those things where we've been talking about it and talking about it and talking about it. And, and guys eventually like, you got to do it just like, like this myself, podcast. Yeah, guys like <laughs> myself and, and Chris Bennett and, and all these dudes who, who live for the past and we love what what once was. And it, it's kind of like a shit or get off the pot type of mentality. Mm-hmm. Like you got to just you got to just take that step. So, I mean, is it the right time? I don't know. But when is the right time? You know what I mean? We're so never going. To, let's just get there, and you know, we gotta try and and do do what we can. And and I think, I don't think at this point we could rival the IMCA modified deal. Um, you know, in a perfect world, I would. I think we've all kind of agreed. I would delete Sport Mod, and you yes. know, you just fucking you, the stock car deal is the stock car deal. Um. I would just get rid of the sport mods, everything. Those The big three in IMCA are so close together in lap times and speed and everything and cost. Mm-hmm. Um, you might as well just delete one of them. Stock cars right now are just a hot ticket. Everybody wants one. Everybody wants to go that route. So, But fine. it took one person out here to jump ship and go, I'm going to start something stock car, and now look. Yeah. And, and like realistically, that yeah. is the perfect and example. And it's an established class. It's not like you're bringing something else. Just like dirt late model racing, it's 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 the pinnacle. It's like the top tier. And it's, we do have an IMC sanctioned late model as well. Yeah, too, and I, so. I'm open to that too. I, I think that's a an option because, like I said, I was talking with Brad Myers about it, and and I you know I know everybody's hang up with sanctioned body and. You know, I, I necessarily don't really agree with it, why we're so married to IMCA, but, mm-hmm. I mean, if that's what it takes, then, yeah, let's try the IMCA late model stuff. It's, in that retrospect, if we go through the IMCA uh, bracket, you're definitely building a class that is subpar to the AMOD, because the AMOD will always be IMCA's baby, um, and the late model is further restricted, so you get to run a 604, but you gotta run, like, race gas, you can't run alcohol or e85 there is a you can run e85 there is a a built option but it it, it's it's financially so we're uh, looking for you're you're talking about bring like a um kind of an open an open i want to bring back the original rules i want to bring back the original mindset and everybody everybody's hang up on that is the cost that it involves not everybody has the money to build a 434 all aluminum dry sump setup with all the bells and whistles, but it worked and for how long before? Decades. And and but what people don't understand is the Western All Stars late model division. I'll, on our on our Facebook page, I'll try to find the the old rules. I got it all still from the heyday. There was three brackets. You had an A type car, you had a B car, and you had a C. 
and they all raced together and everybody was competitive at different places. Mm -hmm. There were certain racetracks where the A guys were better than the B guys and the C guys or vice versa. But forever, my dad was a top four, top five points, you know, runner for championships of the touring series. And he ran B stuff all the time. Spec engine, big blade, D55 tires, running with guys with the biggest engines, the biggest everything and all this other stuff. And you had all this different brackets that were very minute, but helped in the financial. And then it forced those guys, not forced, but it, it enticed those individuals who were running with a C guy, C caliber car to, okay, I've reached my, my pinnacle. Mm-hmm. Am I comfortable running top 10, top, top 12, just outside of that? I can maybe get a good run here and there, or do I, do I make that jump and move up? And mm-hmm. that's where we've lost it. Everybody wants to get to where we're all even and quit like communizing fucking racing. Let's like everybody needs to be that want more. And so I know it's easier said than done, but and I'm sure I'll get flack for it, but I don't care. Come at me. Hit my Re- DMs. But real quick before we jump to Bobby, and I think this is the last thing before we jump to Bobby, let's talk about his me- or Ben's media deal. Yeah. That's a pretty cool That's deal. That's a pretty cool deal, and I think something that we can give him a little. And it's not just late models. I kind yeah, of was no. scrolling through that. Yeah, I mean, it's he everybody has some, right He now. has some – he knows about our stuff, too. He knows some stuff about IMCA. Yeah. About, I know he posted about um, uh, Cody Thomas. Yeah, and Cody stuff Thompson like, yeah. is a member or, of MSR, Yeah, I'm sorry, Cody Thompson. MSR Media. Um, he did a lot more with, like, the USRA, USMTS. Yeah, UAP some of those stuff. guys as well. So, But, I mean, it's just a cool platform for, like, I was kind of scrolling through it real quick, and I, I don't think we got into it as much as I really wanted to, but, um, you know, I was scrolling through, like, it, it's an opportunity for, oh, man, I hit the spring on our mic mount. <laughs> <laughs> That's the old guys will hear that, dude. So it's an opportunity for, like, local yokels for us, you know, hobbyist racers to really make yourself um, like a professional business, and you get... You know, it, it shows you how to make a, a top-notch website so you can link your merchandise and mm. shipping and, and not so much word of mouth because everybody – now we all go through Facebook. And Absolutely. So, you know, not that it's inconvenient or not right, but now you could have something that's truly top-notch. Your sponsors can get involved. You could have your sponsor logos running across the top, you know, feed of the, of the website and – Post your schedules, post your events, your results, your news, your breaking this and that. You have an outlet for people, fans to go to to find out your information, whether that's pamphlets and all kinds of other stuff. I mean, it, it's a really killer, killer website for people, especially like us, to kind of mature up and pr- professionalize your racing. Yeah, I think the MSR Mafia stuff, it's cool just to have someone that's a big advocate for short track racing and just kind of the grassroots level stuff. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. What, uh, what time's Bobby coming on with us pretty soon? Three. Mm-hmm. We got a couple of minutes. He's pretty cool. He's a pretty good driver. We gotta, ain't he? we gotta go back. <laughs> we gotta go back in the past though and record our local show too. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll do that. I mean, we could, I think that'll be fire off pretty quick. Yeah. You know, but anyway, you want to jump to Bobby now? Yeah, we can cut to that now. Uh, Bobby Pierce, once again, thank you for uh, joining us here on On the Hammer. Yeah, uh, no problem. Thanks for having me. Yep, so as you see, as we see, you get set to um, head out west once again um, to the Wild West shootout. Um, 
how how do you like going to that event? I know you've been there what four? Is your fourth or fifth year going there now? Yeah, I think this will be my fifth year going. Uh, it's an awesome time. I mean, you know, the weather is beautiful out there. It's like the perfect temperatures during the day. At night, it can sometimes get a little chilly, but still nothing compared to how it is here in Illinois. And uh, yeah, it's a fun time going out there for sure. You know, whenever you get a chance to go somewhere and race for, you know, six nights or so at the same track. And, you know, it's a really good racetrack, too. I've had a lot of success there, so I always enjoy going out there. I got a sponsor out there and uh, family members, so uh, it's really fun. You know, I love the mountains in the background that you can see at the racetrack. And, yeah, everything about it, everything besides the drive. Oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. So, Bobby, we kind of did jokingly talk about it. You just said Illinois. Uh, for us, some of us California people, we always say Illinois how many, <laughs> how many people do you like? Do you conversate with, and they make that mistake when they're talking to you? <laughs> Just about everybody that's not from <laughs> Illinois. <laughs> hey, um, I got a question. So we had talked um, before your interview. We we talked to Ben Shelton, and uh, I asked him, and he kind of was. I couldn't shake him. I couldn't rattle him on what he's doing. But when you head out west, what's like one of the things a staple that you do? Is it like uh, maybe stopping in In and Out? Is there any nightlife that you're doing? Because you're kind of close to Vegas. You're kind of a, a short shot away from L.A. What what does Bobby Pierce do when he's not racing in, in Arizona? Or do you just find enough trouble in Phoenix? Yeah. Well, you said when I'm not racing, I was going to say just get dubs all the time. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. There we go. What an expecting. This will be my fifth year going out there. We've got uh, – some rituals we do, I guess you could say. We always, well, first off, we always stay at my uncle Larry's house, there which is also my sponsor, Premier Way Services. And so we stay there. So every night we go back to his place. And uh, like after the races, they always have food for us, whether it's like something from Olive Garden or, I don't know, like Taco Bell or whatever it may be. Uh, and we always eat food, hang out safe and go to the track the next night but we always hit up the casinos uh it's a lot of fun um i know there's been a couple times like what was it last year two years ago i went uh hiking uh, i know someone said they went on like a four-wheeler ride through the hills or the mountains one time yeah uh, or they do that every year I, I gotta do that that sounds like a lot of fun and then uh my uncle larry's also got like a pool and a hot tub at his place so like just hanging out there you know is it's, it's a lot of fun and it's pretty relaxing but um yeah all sorts of stuff to do out there you know i love all the mountains for sure like definitely want to take advantage of that when i'm out there so yeah do something in the mountains that's pretty cool yeah so as you start the season off out west obviously obviously you know you guys have some competition with some um with the sunshine with the world of outlaws tour out in florida but it looks like you guys have you're gonna have some stiff competition that you're gonna have to uh deal with i know you really want to try to get that covenant uh i believe it's the kaiser kaiser manufacturer bonus um i don't know uh i believe you haven't got to pick up um the extra bonus completely um uh, so how do you how do you you know, I, obviously you've seen the competition there. How do you feel you're going to do? Yeah, there's for sure a lot of competition. Um, you know, I mean, I know a lot of people say that since, um, 
you know, the other races are going on in Florida might take some competition away, but really besides maybe just a couple guys, you, you really have the same uh, guys going out there and then, and then some uh, that are always really stout out there. You know, I know there's a couple of new, uh, new guys going out there that haven't been and uh, they're pretty good, but uh, you know, that Kaiser quarter million bonus is something that, you know, everyone for sure wants it, but man, it's, to win six nights in a row, not only do you got to be good, but you got to be lucky. And, yeah. You know, luckily, uh, I was the first one to ever claim some of the bonus two years ago when I won three races. And then last year, you had two guys. So it was Brian Shirley and Brian Shepard that won three races between themselves. So they each got bonus money. But uh, it's really cool how they do that. You know, it definitely adds a little bit of, uh, you know, even more of a challenge, you know, because heck, if you're sitting on, uh, say, two wins, and then you only need one more win to get ten thousand extra dollars, you know, a race that maybe five thousand win for someone is fifteen thousand win for you. So, uh, for sure, it adds an extra incentive to, you know, just you want to get that money. And uh, they also got a point system out there that they reward you, you know, if you finish like top five. It's not much, but it's something. And yeah, a lot of bonuses, and you know that last night's gonna be twenty five grand to win now. So that's oh yeah, really cool. yeah, I gotta secure that bag. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. We got a we got a special wrap on both cars heading out there. Uh, you know, like a western themed wrap that I haven't showed the public yet. We're still actually wrapping both my cars, so we're kind of we're kind of crunched for time. Actually, when I get back to the shop, it's uh, all gas, no brakes, because we gotta there get our go. stuff done. So, so you said. You said both cars. Are you just bringing two late models, or are you going to be re wheeling a modified this week? Coming up. Yeah, just two late models. Just my primary car, my backup car. And uh, we uh, we just recently hired uh, a new guy, Cody Mallory. And, you know, he's uh, working hard at the shop along with my other crew guy, Austin. And, uh, yeah, just a lot of stuff. You know, kind of kind of creeped up on us pretty quick, and we're like, oh, we better get our stuff done. But yeah. really, like. Uh, you know, heck, uh, it wouldn't have been 2020 if some of us didn't get coronavirus. So, like, I had it <laughs> one time, my mom, my dad. Wow. So, like, we planned on getting a lot done, you know, between me and my dad. And we were down and out for, like, a week with that. So that kind of took up some of our time. Yeah. So, Bobby, I know, I remember when you had um, drove for the Dunn-Benson Motorsports and then you did maneuver back to your um, family equipment. Are you... I mean, not I'm not your dad, obviously, but you are the owner now behind Bobby Pierce Racing officially yourself, right? Yeah, I am mostly I am mostly the owner of the whole operation. Uh, it's kind of a partnership with me, and my parents, in a sense. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. So also, I wanted to say now, since you've gone back to you know your family-owned stuff. And um, obviously, throughout your career, we <clears throat> excuse me, we've only seen you run a tour series once with Dunn Benson. Do you see yourself ever going back to you know a Wu tour or a Lucas Oil tour in your own equipment ever versus kind of how you run? I would say kind of an outlaw schedule. <clears throat> excuse me, jumping from or just kind of hitting the you know the big races and obviously you run the yeah. um the hell tour I mean, that's kind of pretty close to home for sure, for sure it's something in the future i will uh look into and you know i mean every year that rolls around it's kind of thrown in the mix and um my mom i guess you could say she's basically like 
manager of the team in a way. And, you know, she was uh, eyeing one of the schedules, and I was like, no, it's not this year. Like, you know, there's always so many good races around home and, or with, you know, not too far of a drive that are good paying races to win. And you don't necessarily have to run a schedule. And But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, we'll probably do the summer nationals uh, in the summer since we're not doing Lucas or about ball like we typically do. So, but for sure, you know, sometime in the, in the future, I mean, it's something I want to for sure want to do again. You know, I did it with that, with Doug Benson Motorsports that year, 2018, and had a good uh, good time doing it. You know, a lot of experience going to a lot of the tracks I'm not used to. And really, we would have finished a lot higher in points just if we didn't have a lot of bad luck because mm-hmm. we were pretty fast that year, just had a lot of bad luck at a lot of the, the races. And, and when we would have bad luck, we'd be winning or running top five. So that's when you don't want to have your bad luck. Yeah. You want to have it when you're running to the back. <laughs> Also, uh, another question I just wanted to ask you. Obviously, Bobby, you're you know you're only uh, I'm 23. You're 20. I believe you're 24, right? Yeah. So you're 20. <clears throat> excuse me. You're 24 years old. Have you really grasped the achievements and the wins and that you have honestly picked up? I mean, because I'm looking at your <clears throat> I'm looking at your website and just 2016 World 100 winner, 2016 North South 100 winner. Uh, show me 100 winner silver dollar nationals you know it's just the list goes on dude like have you has that really grasped um at a young age so much that you have achieved as of right now and i mean you're not even close to your 30s yet right yeah i mean for sure like getting to the age i'm at like you know me and my girlfriend were just talking the other day like man we're gonna be 25 this year you know like it feels old in a way because like yeah. I mean, I, I still feel like I'm 18 sometimes, you know, and then it's just like, man, you know, yeah, like I won the World 100 when I was 19. And, uh, some of the stuff when I did, like when I was even younger, I kind of like think back to that and I'm like, wow, that's pretty impressive. So, but like, I don't know, in the same sense, I still feel like I'm like 20, 21 years old or 19 or something like that. So like, I don't know. I think as I get older, I'll probably look back more at it. And, uh, at my accomplishments and, but a lot of times you kind of get stuck in the mindset of just focusing on the now and you know not really looking like at what you did because you gotta you know you want to keep going and, like you you want to win more races and you know until the age when you really like are like on the verge of retirement I guess that's when you really start thinking about us we'll probably all really sink in I guess but yeah it's pretty crazy I mean a lot of stuff, you know, I've been able to accomplish at a pretty young age. That's really cool. And, you know, a lot of it, I got to give thanks to my parents and, you know, for sure all the sponsors that have helped me along the way. But, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely like when you really sit back and think about it, it's it's just pretty cool. And, you know, a lot of it, a lot of the success at an early age has helped me get to where I am, you know, with sponsors and whatever it may be, you know, big fan base. So, yeah. Oh yeah, we uh, we got a Pierce Posse out, out here in California that were truly, truly nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's pretty crazy. And you know, I, I think I laugh because I'm like right behind you. I'll be 25 in January this year. So uh, I kind of want to ask. You know, we all know you from the late model stuff. We know, especially some of us are big late model fans. And and my dad raced back in the day. And, um, 
so we know your your pops has been building chassis and and he raced had a great career where did you really start was it always just right behind the late model was it a modified what what was the beginning of bobby pierce like what what would what, you start in oh uh, well i started in quarter midgets when i was eight and then i started racing a kid mod when i was 12 or 11 which is like a four-cylinder uh full full-size race car uh it's a modified that my dad actually made that class and there was about like 10 kids running it that first year and I only did that for a year, and I, want, I ran like one more race the next year, and my dad had got me a crate late model at 12, and then we just started messing with the crate late model, and then when I was 13, a little bit into the year, uh, I had a super late model, so I was kind of dabbling in a super late model and a crate late model at, at 13, and then when I was 14, I just went full-blown super late model racing, so yeah, it was... Uh, a lot of some people think I started in mods before I went to late models, but it was just a kid mod, four cylinder modified. But hey, that was a pretty cool class because yeah. you know we raced on all the racetracks that you know the other cars race on, and really got a good feel for uh, you know a really big size racetrack and a big car at such a young age. And, uh, it was really good stepping stones. That's crazy. I'll have to look into seeing if I can find some videos of that. Pretty cool. Yeah, you might find some on YouTube. I don't know. So, Bobby, this is Brant, and um, I actually started in quarter midgets also when I was seven out here in California. Um, ran a lot of the grands, went back to Georgia a little bit, and um, mini Indy. That might sound um, familiar to you when we raced in the infield of um, Indianapolis. But um, oh, yeah. yeah, I can relate to you a little bit on that level. But um, did did that? I try to take what I learned because I run modifieds now, but I try to take what I learned from the back in the quarter midget days and the pavement stuff. And I assume a lot of the quarter midget you, stuff you did back then was pavement too. Um, does that always trans? Do you take any of that that you learned as a kid, or does it pretty much play out once you got into the kid mods and stuff like that? Yeah, actually, um, around here there's a lot of dirt tracks for quarter nice. midgets, and uh, I did run a couple asphalt pavement quarter midget tracks and the first time i did man it was it was crazy because like we didn't have it set up for for that at all and i was like getting up on two wheels going to the corners about to flip and uh my dad he was like whoa we gotta do something and then we went back to uh that same asphalt track for like a regional race or whatever and we we had a lot better uh, handle on the setup than the car was actually staying on all four tires. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it was pretty crazy to think about. Like, I kind of remember when my dad had that kid mod sitting there, and you know, it's just like it's pretty intimidating because you know, I come from this little tiny car to this big full size race car, and um, you know, I had to learn how to basically shift it and everything and yeah yeah and, but i remember when i first got on the gas it was like full throttle like there first time. <laughs> everything everything comes into focus right there. <laughs> so uh last year you had a little bit of controversy with tyler herb we're just have you guys talked have you guys squashed it you guys still just you know go out and just gonna race each other how you guys always have you know what's the what's the situation like there uh, yeah, no, I haven't talked to him at all. Um, you know, I, I, I think 
most interaction has been just like seeing each other in the pits or something. Uh, yeah, I mean, I never really had a big issue with that deal from the start. Like, of course, I thought my my ways of you know what went on that night, but um, yeah, I don't know. I was kind of just like rather blow over than anything. Like, I think he more so wanted it wanted to make it a publicity stunt, you know, to sell t-shirts or whatever, but, um, you know, to me, like, in that moment at that race, like, I was, I was racing hard trying to, you know, get to the front because I had a faster car. Yeah. Um, turned into a whole big deal. I didn't even get to finish the race because of this. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, you know, it, it is what it is. all around, like, for me because I was just, like, a victim in the situation that I, I felt. And, uh, but, yeah, I don't know. It, it did get a lot of, uh, like man, like everyone heard about that. Exactly. Yeah, the fans love it though. They made yeah. it up for sure because I think a lot of people want to see more. They probably want to see us get out of the car and like have a brawl or something. But. Well, it's it's cool to see drivers with personality, and I mean, it's it's kind of like that WWE mentality. They all want to see like somebody with the catchphrases. They all want to see what Turbo's gonna say. They always want to see what he's what he's got coming out of his mouth. They want to yeah. see what you got to say and and what you know. It's it's. It's show business at that point, you know what I mean? Right, yeah, and, and I think, in a sense, you know, that's just, uh, that's kind of more his personality, it kind of fits him. And, yeah. You know, like, I've, I've known him for a long time, and, uh, you know, for sure, that, that kind of, <laughs> it just, he, he rolls with it pretty easily, whereas I, I don't really, like, I just want to race, you know, and, yep. you know, leave the other stuff. Yeah, I think. Know. I think when it all comes down to it, we're all racing, we're all trying to have a good time, and then you kind of just shake that thing off. It it lasts for a little bit, and I guess on your guys' where you're more popular than us sitting here in this garage or whatever, it lasts a little bit longer, and it makes more notice. But at the end of the day, it's an altercation, and it goes over, and you just go on to the next race, and you just yeah. enjoy yourself while you can. I mean, you know, you can't really, like, I don't know. I think, like, Jimmy Owen said one thing one time. I think when he got asked about it, he said that, uh, you know, he might be mad over something for, like, a straightaway. And then by the time he gets to the next corner, you know, you got to stop thinking about it. Because, like, there's a lot on the line, you know, money-wise and everything with these race cars. You know, just got to, I guess, let it go. But can't really hold grudges in a sense, you know, when you have all that on the line. So. Yeah, that's true. Bobby, I just had uh, one last question for uh, before we let you go. When did you, when you kind of jumped into, obviously, like you said, you're bouncing from the crate and the super, when, what race kind of determined where you felt like, hey, like, I can, I belong in this class. Like, I can, obviously, I would say you kind of, you kind of dominated at an early age um, that you felt comfortable that you kind of, you know, obviously, I'm pretty sure you probably still get nervous sometimes, but you know, when at what point did that did you have that feeling of like, hey, like, like I I could I'm that guy, like you know what I mean? I could I could run good with these guys. Yeah, I mean that's a good question. Like, really, it it's always up and down. You know, one weekend you can you can think you're one of the best. Next weekend you can think you're one of the worst. So, um, but that first time was probably. Uh, and it's hard to think back. I mean, I mean, I know I won my first race when I was 14. I my believe. first super late model race. And it was just a local race uh, in Peoria, Illinois. 
And, I mean, right then it was like, you know, man, like, I won, which is awesome. Uh, but then I think, I don't remember where it was, but wherever, wherever I think in 20, it might have been 2013, it might have been my first year racing super late models. I ran third at a, like a 3,000 to win or 2,000 to win something late model special at Tri-City. And I think Jason Fager won it. Ryan Unzicker might have been second. And I was third. And, like, I wasn't too far behind those guys. And and I was like, I, you know, so I was keeping up with them right there pretty good. And then I remember that being a pretty big moment. Like, you know, it was really big for me being on the podium. And, like, it was somewhat more than just, a, you know, your local race or whatever. And so that was pretty cool. And then I remember one time, it was like the first time I really learned how to run the cushion. And uh, <laughs> it's kind of when I started to fall in love with the top side more than the bottom because I used to be a big-time bottom feeder. Like, I won all my first couple summer national races on the bottom, and, and then I started moving up to the cushion much more and won a lot of races on the, on the top. But I remember that first time, and I told my parents, I was like, you know, run the top. It's just way easier. Like, I don't know what I was ever doing on the bottom. Like, running against the wall is just easier to me. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's cool, man. But <clears throat> like I said, we're uh, we appreciate you. We appreciate your time. Um, good luck to you out in the coming out west to the Wild West Shootout. And um, before we let you go, do you want to thank any of your sponsors and um, everybody that helps you get uh, down the road, up and down the road? Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, thanks to you guys for having me on. I got to thank my sponsors, All Gay Incorporated. Uh, Jeff Allgaier from Texas and his son Jude uh, ripping it up on the go-kart track. Uh, I got to thank my Uncle Larry and, and Jen uh, from Premier Way Services. I'll be seeing them out in Arizona. I can't wait for that. Um, sea Valley Transportation. Uh, I might see Royal out there. got to thank Hoker Trucking, uh, Jeff and Penny Hoker. Uh, got to thank First Beer. Uh, they came back on board for the uh, second time this year. For third time, uh, I think them and Ted Brown's Quality Paint Body Shop, uh, Extreme Electric, they also came back on board. Uh, so I think him, uh, Jeff Raley, uh, gotta give a big thanks to Lika Tree Services, gotta give a huge thanks to Viper Motorsports, uh, Viper Risk Management, Sean and Lisa Martin. Uh, they do a ton for me as well. And, uh, I got to go out to Pennsylvania and see him this year, it was a lot of fun. Uh, Carnegie Towing and Auto Repair, I think him. Uh, so many sponsors are they're, they're really based around a lot of uh, like the United States, so it's pretty cool to have a such a wide variety of uh, location-based sponsors. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, I know I'm forgetting a couple, but big thanks to everybody. And where can people find you? Your um, your Instagram or Facebook or whatever. Yeah, uh, Bobby Pierce thirty two. Uh, that's my username on Instagram and Twitter, and then just my Facebook is Bobby Pierce. Uh, I'm also on TikTok now. Oh uh, man, just Bobby Pierce. <laughs> I make a couple TikToks every now and then. There we go. Uh, but yeah, I'm posting on all those quite a bit. So uh, right on, and, man. Uh, I'll also be having possibly a how do you call it like a some sort of texting group or something you can sign up to get texts uh like updates and, and all that so i'm working on that hopefully i'll have that soon nice 
Nice. All right, man. Well, we appreciate you coming on and giving us some of your time, dude. Good luck, and uh, we'll be keeping up with you. All right. Thank you. See you, man. Yep. Bobby freaking Pierce, guys. That was a pretty good interview. Yeah, that was... I didn't really expect what he would be like. I thought he was going to be kind of... I was kind of... I will say, dude... What he has good, to good grab, Joe. Yeah, good grab, yeah, Joe. That was on. Yeah, you got to give Joe at, credit. At, yeah, you know, you like, got to give Joe the credit. And I, on I that tell one. these people because because at Stockton they asked us, you know, like how do you guys get Bobby Pierce on there? I said, bro, I don't know, Joe Peterson. That's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I know. I just, how did you get Kyle Larson hey, to do okay, your interview? I'm thing? gonna just say this, dude's a solid dude. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to maybe we could get him on again and. You know, Dylan really just threw the question out there, bro. Like he just really just went for it. And you know Mad what? Mad props to him for that. And you one. know what? I and he handled it like a champ. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he handled it like a champ, dude. The yeah. way he handled it, and I gotta give him freaking credit because we all struck me, Dylan, Ryan, whatever. He listed his sponsors off like it was nobody's business, and probably yeah. didn't even have it in front of him. I struggle. Yeah, that's with what that happens so when bad. you win yeah, a lot. I. Hey, when, when you win a lot, you standing O on that one. <laughs> so, hey man, that was a, that was a good deal. I'm looking forward to seeing if he can grab that sweep this year. He seems very confident. Like he said, he just when he's not getting dubs, he's out having fun in, in Arizona. So, um, what do you th- what do you think a TikTok from Bobby Pierce looks like? Oof. Somebody, you got TikTok? Pull him I, up. We'll I have to look at it. it. We'll look at it. In a, we'll look at it in the cross show, but you know. I mean, I guess we got a we got another there's program. Some, to there's do. some good there's some good TikToks out there by like yeah. drivers. It's actually yeah. pretty decent. But it's been a it's been a long marathon show, you guys. Uh, any final thoughts before we get out of here? I think it's time for lunch. I think it's time. For, <laughs> I think it's time for lunch, and then we got to get geared up to go back in time. Um, <laughs> shout out to Ben Shelton and Bobby Pierce. Thank you guys so much for coming on. Shout out to Ben uh, Shelton and Bobby Pierce again for coming on. Yeah, that was. Super dope for them Honestly, to give yeah. us their time, and and so um, we're getting up there in the world. And he said he was actually sponsored. Yeah, Bobby said he was actually really busy. He's heading back to the house, getting both cars prepared. Yeah. To, um, Almost that yeah. I heard like a wrench fall, like he made his way into the shop while we were talking. <laughs> 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 Always uh, listen for the back yeah. stuff. But yeah, so. but yeah, shout out to both of those guys, um, Ben and Bobby, um, and also. Um, our sponsor too um yeah for the so episode. before we get out of here thank you guys everybody for tuning in like subscribe follow comment do your thing hit us up everywhere but before we go one more time this show was brought to you by one two raps thank you so much for them and their contributions if you or anybody you're looking for get your race car dialed in for the 2021 season whether it's your race car your business Small stickers, fleet vehicles, one-two wraps. We'll get you dialed in looking right. Hit them up on Facebook, Instagram. Check their website out. Get in contact with Josh Combs. He could get you dialed looking good. So thank you guys so much. Check us out, one-two wraps on the Hammer Podcast. Thank you, Bobby Pierce, Ben Shelton. Peace out, everybody. It's time to go have lunch. Later. Later. Later.